0: This is Coco Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. With your host, Mr. Gameplay Goodness himself, Stevie Stroup. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Coco Talk, episode 22. We are live on a Saturday. Today is April the 19th, 2017, and we've got a great show in store for you, ladies and gentlemen. And so with me on the call, we have the author of *Forest Doom, all-around good-looking guy and, and damn fancy singer, too, Mr. Bruce Moore. Welcome to the show, Bruce. Thank you. And then we've got, uh, what's-his-face up there, David Ladd. Hey, David. Oh. Hello. <laughs> oh, what's-his-face. Mark Overholzer with us, as always. Richard Lorbieski is here. Ron Delvaux, is here. And L. Curtis Boyle, A., is here. And uh, Nick hey, and by the way, it's
1: August, not April.
0: It's August. It's August, <laughs> April, whatever. February, <laughs> March, Ember, whatever the hell it's called. Yes, it's August. Yes, you are correct. <laughs> Thank you. And then from down under, Nick Morentes, Good day, Nick. How are you? Good everyone. And maybe G'day. April
1: down there. I'm not sure. <laughs>
0: it's April. Yeah, you know, us Americans, we can't, we can't <laughs> spell. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we got another great show. We got some cool things to talk about, some cool things to do. Um, it's been another interesting week in the world of the color computer, and so um, you know some of those highlights is that for hopefully we'll find out for reasons unknown, but there's got to be a reason. But Nick Morentes has decided to release a 1.1 update to his Pac-Man game, so hopefully he'll share with us reasons. Be- I know I know one of the reasons was you know changing the color and stuff, but I'd like to be curious what was the. Uh, Kind of motivation there. Uh, so that's kind of cool. So when, what else has been going on this week? Well, um, we got another demo from Simon Jonasson to take a look at, his 3D spinning cubes. Um, Bruce Moore has been tip, uh, dipping his toes into the water of Basic 09. So we'll show a little preview of that, maybe talk about that um, process and development a little bit. We're going to have Ron's Garage, where Ron's going to show us something pretty cool. we got Tech Talk with David Ladd and maybe Curtis Boyle, too. And who knows what else we're going to talk about. So, very cool. And um, live in the call, I want to first say hello to Steve Powell. Hello. Hello. So Steve has been here since about twenty after one p m so Steve's been here for a long time. He says he's doing other things he just wanted to have it open and ready. so you get the um the award for the first caller of the day for sure Treasure, one hundred points so there you go. One hundred points of treasure has been awarded to you so uh, and I will try not to over overuse the soundboard today. I promise right so um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> <laughs> Got to have more cowbell, right? So thanks for being here, Steve. We also have Richard Cavell in the call and uh, and everybody else. So very, very cool. So let me go ahead and just look at some feedback and look at some numbers this week on a few things that have happened in the show. So uh, f- let's start with looking at our most recent episode. So last week's episode of Cocoa Talk Right now has peaked the charts at 178 views right now. So that's still pretty good. You know, we've been averaging about 200 views a week. You notice that uh, episode 20 got about 211 views. Really popular topics was the hardware discussions got 263 views. Our Nitrous 9 discussion, 250 views. So, yeah, the Cocoa Talk has been... Um, been getting some pretty good views right now so we're just shy of 180 views from last week's talk is is not too shabby and i think one of the things that might be um uh helping with that or helping or hurting depending on how you look at it but since we've been also now coco talk is also a podcast that you can listen to in audio format we've had just shy of 400 downloads on uh podcast this week so 383 um, podcast downloads. And so I guess, how do you look at this? Do you look at this as competition? Am I competing with myself? I'm not sure, (laughs) but you know, if people are listening rather than viewing, maybe that's why we have a few less views, but we've got a heck of a lot of listens. So all things combined, we're in about the 600 mark in this past week, which is pretty cool. So thank you for everybody who's been watching and listening. Um, and then a couple comments from some of the stuff that's been going on on YouTube. I got a comment recently on one of my programming and basic videos where uh, this person, Alex Blackburn, said, I love these videos so in-depth and the only source that teaches us basic that I've found on the Internet. Huge help. So thank you there, Alex. Um, Rudy Kazooty, our friend from I think he's in Ireland. Um, he's the one who suggested I play that Ken Kalish game, right, Dungeon Raid. And then yep. he's actually chimed in with some tips on the game. He says a tip for For anyone who's trying to beat, and his his high score right now is 124,600. He made it to level five. He says there's five levels. Uh, there's three levels and then the game loops and the enemies speed up dramatically. So he's actually given us um, some tips. He's pointed out a glitch in the game. He's, tell- he's telling you when you got to steer left and what to look for and what to avoid and stuff. So I guess when you can spend a, you know some good quality hours on a game and you kind of get to learn the, uh, you know, the insides and outs. So he shared some very good tips there. So check out that comment for some good playing tips if you want to get really proficient at dungeon raid. Now here's another cool one too. So this is how all this stuff happens it's just like you know things fall out of the sky but rob shaw the author of shock trooper and Tutan common and a handful of other games he found my video on youtube and he says um it was so cool to see my game reviewed on youtube 31 years after i wrote it by the way one inaccuracy here is that it was released in 1986 because i was in the university at that time And then he said, well, if you've got any questions, please feel free to ask. So I have basically said to him, would you you like to do an interview? I sent him my um, email address, and hopefully we'll hear from Rob, and maybe we can line up a Rob Shaw interview. That would be very, very cool. Yeah,
1: he's a a nice guy. I talked to him back when I did the uh, pages on the games page there for his stuff by email, and he actually gave me some tips, like there's some hidden features in one or two of the games and stuff too. Okay, oh, yeah. I'm hoping you can get them on for an interview. It'd be pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that would be cool. So, um, so then the question becomes: Is this is this a standalone interview, Do we make it part of Coco Talk? That's really not that important as long as we get the interview. Um, and, and speaking of interviews, one of the things I've been doing too is taking some of the older interviews that we've done and also converting those to audio. So right now on our website, CocoTalk Live, there's the first ten. Episodes are fully converted to audio and three different interviews. So there's the interview where Curtis and I first spoke at length. There's our first interview with Rick Adams, which I I think is pretty cool when you look back on things we discussed a year ago to what has happened then. It really goes to show you what's been going on in this community. Like Curtis brought up uh, the discussion uh, on an interview that Nick had with with him, like, in 1999, where he had talked about, well, I made this game called Bomb Threat, but Tandy never bought it. And for me, that was the first time I ever heard of that, you know, kind of lost gem, right? So we talked about that about a year ago in an interview with Rick. And, of course, as most of us know now, he is about to release Bomb Threat again. So it's kind of cool to see how some of these things come full circle with some of these interviews. Um, uh, we did that interview, the... the um, Rick Adams interview and the Dale Lear interview, which was another good interview too. I thought, and that was kind of co-interviewed with Rick Adams, and of course Curtis and Nick were there too. So, a couple of good interviews, and all of those interviews I think played very well to the audio format when I listened to them. So, uh, I think we're we're getting some good positive response from people who are saying I enjoy the fact I can now consume this show in a different way. So, uh, that was a great idea. That was Curtis's idea. I got to give Curtis all the credit for that. So. Remind me to do I pay you one of these days, Curtis. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so going around the room here, who's got anything to chime in? And be like, what what has your week been like as far as projects and retro things and other uh, items of interest? Anybody want to jump in there?
1: I haven't done too much because of work uh, scheduled, as as usual during my rush season. But I have been trying to talk to Bruce and Nick a little bit when they were you know fiddling around with Baseco Nine and Nitrous Nine stuff. Uh, just to see if I can help him out a tiny bit. I know Nick actually got a boot from Bill that ran pretty stably for him, which I think was unexpected for him. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> We'll get into that in a bit more detail later. Yeah, Right before he shoots it all down.
2: <laughs> well, you want me to talk about it?
0: Uh, well, I guess, <laughs> if, I guess if we go ahead and if you, you want to lead off, Nick, and we'll talk about Pac-Man 1.1.
2: Oh, okay. Um, All right. Yeah, well, I released uh, Pac-Man 1.1, which um, isn't really very different from the previous version. Um, It's just uh, a few little things that always niggled me um, over the years that uh, I wish I had done that. It was so simple to do. Why didn't I do it? Um, So I thought, what the hell? You know, we've we've, um, had uh, Glenn Hewitt's uh, arcade transcript Transcode code released lately and that sort of inspired me to just do these little patches to um, Finalize pac-man as such. Um, So uh, There's no changes to the code. The code was really um, Unchanged. Okay, Uh, the the changes were done in the uh, loader So when the loader comes out, I uh, changed that a bit. I removed the um, the option for um, selecting pal um, versus NTSC color uh, and the uh, 50 hertz, 60 hertz timings, because no one played it under the 50 hertz timings anyway. Okay. Um, okay. And over here in Australia, we we select 60 hertz uh, hertz anyway, and 50 50 hertz tends to run it slightly slower. And because I had, because I had to make the game support both 50 hertz and 60 hertz. There was another problem in that uh, I noticed in the uh, intermission tunes uh, when playing the intermission uh, the um, the timings were a little bit slower in order to compensate for the 50 Hertz mode and it always bugged me because I always thought the intermission tune was just a bit bit low in, in its pitch so I removed the NTC um, the uh, 50 Hertz 60 Hertz option made it all 60 Hertz and then just adjusted the uh the timings for the intermission to run properly at um at 60 hertz so so that was uh that was the main thing i wanted to change it always irked me that that the pitch was wrong
3: um
2: the only other thing i changed also was the um the color of the maze in the original it was slightly um a lighter blue and um it should have been a bit darker to match the arcade a bit more, so I just did a change to the, the color blue. And really, that's about it. Um, Nothing more. It's really otherwise really much the same. Uh, the loader has a little Pac-Man. In yeah, it. I noticed it's that. Yeah, that, I like
1: that. That was cute. It was better than the old bar going across.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's essentially the same as the old bar, except instead of a bar, I've got a Pac-Man character eating all the dots, which I thought thought was more suitable for the game anyway. Yeah, definitely. It reminds
1: me of the the Nintendo Wii when you do get your updates and you have the little marrow ring across as it's downloading the update and he keeps bumping the coins up as the update downloads. It's kind of an animation of their own character and you did the same thing. 6 yeah. has
0: joined us in chat, and uh, Home Computer Museum says hi everyone. Hello, Home Computer Museum. Um, Richard Cavell is here in chat. Yeah, I'm going to see if I can get to the intermission, and I do notice that the blue is a little bit darker. Um, yeah, it's kind of cool that we do look at this again. It's just kind of, um, like you mentioned, that we had the um, Pac-Man transcode released recently. Um, out of curiosity, how long did all of that take you? Like, how many hours did you put into all these changes?
2: Oh... The changes didn't take too long. It was because um, I, I still had the source code, of course, for uh, Pac-Man so it was just a matter of looking at the the code and just finding out what what areas of memory uh, the bytes were. I had to that I had to change in order to do to, to make the change. And once I located the exact values in memory where they are, I then just went into the loader program. After it finished loading the program, it would just do a few pokes to change those to uh, to the new changes, um, and that's about it. The thing that took the longest was um, was the uh, the little Pac-Man uh, at in the loader. Okay, <laughs> you know, I, I tried a few things, and I just that was the one I came up with. Yeah. Okay. Did you want to demo of the loader, Steve? Or
0: uh, I can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is it is kind of cool. So we'll, we'll we'll show that. That's kind of cool. And yeah, of course now. Getting me to make it to the second um, the second level is going to be a challenge because that requires somebody with actual game playing skills. Um, <laughs> so we will do. And of course, I'm doing this on my Coco SDC, brought to us by the makers of Coco SDC. Um, here we go, Pac Man Bass. I'm all about that base, yeah, so baby. Yeah, that's
2: the yeah that's the new option screen. It's only got two options whereas the previous one had a few more um the, just the selection of the rgb or composite mm-hmm. and uh, i think i might have also tweaked the uh, composite palette slightly as well because okay. back when i wrote it i didn't have an a composite ntsc monitor so i just um whatever whatever information i could find in a magazine saying this is the rgb the composite conversion sure that's all i did and i just assumed okay that must be right but now that i do have an ntse composite i think some of the colors were slightly off okay so i just tweaked those and i i've, I've kept the option for the um the, the keyboard selection um one thing actually i wasn't sure of because i hadn't played it for a while i, I was wondering um if I'd forgotten I had actually added um, joystick control in the game. Okay. Um, whenever I used to play it, um, I, I played it with the, the arrow keys, and of course, I was terrible at it, and I couldn't understand why am I playing it so badly? I used to play it much better than this. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh well, I'm going to have to patch it to allow our, um, the joystick to work. But as it turned out, when I went through the code, I thought I saw there was code in there already. Because uh, when, when the game starts, it doesn't really say um, press... Um, well, it does say... It press, says press uh, the button, I think. It does say press joystick button, but for some reason I'd forgotten that the joystick actually worked. <laughs> so the joy, <laughs> the joystick's fine. Just press the button on the joystick and away it goes. And I think there was one fellow on the um, Facebook page was asking you know, uh-huh. if the keys work on... Um, i'm uh, under vcc and i said oh, i'm pretty sure they do so i tested it last night and uh put a message up saying yeah they do but i don't recommend it because the uh it, it's, it's just so awkward to play with a normal diamond cluster cursor yeah it's not very <laughs> you know, forgiving either on the uh, you know, my fingers uh, tend to uh get stuck in a knot basically but joystick is the way to play pac-man and um that's the way to play it and if you want to Press enter to continue. Mm-hmm. Most okay. cases, you don't need to change any of these settings. There we go. Here's Mr. And Chompers. there's the back man. <laughs> <laughs> <My> uh, definition. <laughs> uh,
0: this is the ultra high, ultra high, uh, the, uh, ultra HD 4K right now, right? So uh, that's uh, that's the yeah. one. Yeah, that, that, should, that should almost be a meme, right? Because you now all the TVs now are called 4K. We should have something like, well, in my day, 4K meant something else. You know? <laughs> yeah, that was how much RAM we had in our computers. <laughs> that's right. <coughs> yeah, so it is 4K. It is flashing on the screen right now. Press joystick button to yeah, play. And yeah, I don't right. have a joystick connected at the moment, but I'll try it one more time and see if I can't um, reach the intermission.
2: Yeah, I'd also remove the serial number um, display on the title page because when I sold it, I had I had it, every copy was serialized. So I yeah, well, if I'm going to just give it out for free, what's the point of the serial number? So. So you had
1: alternate keys you could select too, like Alt, Control, and Left, Right, Arrow or something, didn't you? I can't remember.
0: Um,
2: that was on a different game. Yeah, I think that were, was on Gatecrasher. three or four option keys um because um i could yeah, never the, use the diamond
1: is way too i think yeah i
2: think that's the way i used to play it actually before i before i had the joystick cooked up i would choose the keyboard options and choose alt and uh, control and alt for up and down because that matched the coco 2 keyboard Yeah, <laughs> and allowed you your nice. hands yeah. to be separate and um you could just more comfortably control it with the keyboard
4: yeah, back in the day, the Apple IIs only had just the left and right arrow, and so typically the games would use A and Z on the opposite side of the keyboard. for uh, uh,
1: yeah.
4: I remember that, playing Gorgon
1: and a few others.
3: Yep.
0: Well, it's kind of interesting comparison, too, because you did this, what, like around 2007-ish?
2: Uh, Wasn't it earlier? Or uh, this is the update, yes. The original game was
0: 1997. Oh, 1997. Wow. Okay. So yeah, Yeah, here it it goes in 1997. So, and so what, what we have right now for the Coco 3 is we have, this is the original, uh, or the first Pac-Man. Of course, this is not a licensed one. This is, you know, your, your port of, of Pac-Man, but you, you wrote this from scratch. And you had to take Uh, your, we we talked about this a while ago, you had to kind of take your best guess of what the algorithms were for the patterns of the ghosts and things like that. You recorded with a cassette recorder all of the sounds and then digitized those. That's right, I did have the internet in
2: 1997. Yeah, Um, Yeah.
0: Al Gore had not invented it yet. So... (laughs) Um, And you had to write the program. So you actually had to write your own version of Pac-Man. And so what we have now with the Glenn Hewlett version is um, not a custom from scratch version, but the actual arcade code has been transcoded. So we've got two versions of Pac-Man. Now we've got Nick Morentis' version, which he wrote from scratch. And then we've got Glenn Hewlett's version that he basically converted from the arcade. And... So for the time that you had done this in 1997, um, you know, really, really impressive. And and some of the choices you made to keep the um, the aspect ratio of the board in the playing field. So you put the scores off to the side, so we have so the full the side, tall yeah. aspect ratio and things like that. And it plays very well. One of the things I did notice about um, Glenn's version, because Glenn's version is, is running the original code. The original code was written for three voice channel synthesizer, which we don't actually have. So every now and then we lose something in the audio because you actually had to write yours from scratch and you took all these things into consideration, I noticed that we always hear the sirens, and then we do hear either the wop-wop-wop sound when he's, you know, blinking, or the, you know, the kind of explosion sound when you eat them, so you've, you've you, your um, audio decisions seem to favor the the sounds that we need to hear the most at all times, where on the transcoded version, every now and then we're going to m- possibly miss something that you know would have been there because the software's got to make that decision: which two of the three channels do I output? You know. Um, so, but they're both great versions of the game, and you know, both worthy of celebration. Um, very cool one stuff. Of the big,
2: one of the biggest chal- challenges was to um, to get the uh, the Pac-Man intelligence. To be the same of course nowadays you can uh, go on the internet and find out what the actual actual intelligence is uh, for the pac-mans you know how they react how they travel and and, and navigate the uh, maze of course uh, in 1997 uh, that wasn't available so i had to sort of come up with my own intelligence that at least looked like it was like from the original and i think i've got a, a fairly good um, good uh, interpretation of it seems to play very similar oh yeah yeah it looks good plays good
0: Um, the slightly darker blue palette now for the maze looks much more arcade accurate I didn't even honestly didn't had had not noticed it that much before but now that I see this you know more of a navy blue it definitely looks more arcade accurate Um, and, yeah, I, I, I would imagine that has to present some challenges, because what's the maximum color palette of the Cocoa? you got 64 colors. And most of the 8-bit games, and so 64 colors is what, 6-bit of color? Something like yeah. that? And most of the arcade games had 8 bits of color, so we had, you know, 256 colors. So at some point in time, you've got to make a creative decision saying, well, in the arcade, it was this level of red, green, or blue. You know, which requires a higher depth of bits per pixel, which we don't have. So we have to trade off somewhere, and you're never going to get every single color possible because our palette is a much smaller um, palette of colors. So I guess certain decisions and compromises have to be made there,
2: right? When you're making those choices. Yeah, I don't know how the arcade, um, how many colors the arcade machine actually had. So I think a lot of a lot of arcades really only m- may have only had 16 colors, but they could right. vary the the colors. I think they use some sort of a res- resistor bank or whatever to fine tune each of the colors. Mm. I'm not sure. Yeah, okay. I'm pretty
1: sure the original arcade Pac-Man was a 16 colors on the screen at once, but I don't remember what their palette. Yeah, was. what I the
0: palette capabilities
2: were. I think they were able to fine tune it. Yeah,
0: no, it's a, it's a it's a damn good. Damn good version there, and and uh, very nice of you to just release that to the public, right? So, the the other way to get that now. In the past, it was available for sale when it was a new product. It's now uh, part of the bundle. So, if somebody buys Pop Star Pilot from you, which you've also put on the Facebook group, it's included on that CD. Your entire catalog of Coco Games is now part of the Pop Star Pilot package, yeah. which which is a great value. Um, very very cool.
1: Cool what do you guys thinking? Now, nick Nick, do you have any uh, inclination to go through some of your other previous games because i know you've mentioned there's a few other things that you wish you had done differently back in the day um um any, well any, any plans for that or just thinking about it or
2: yeah no, i was also thinking of going through my gate crasher as well the the 3d um the 3d game i did and um it, it plays all right but the thing is there was two once again there's there's at least two things that have niggled me <laughs> ever since uh the, the beginning so as usual the niggles will eventually get to me so um w- uh, one is the 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 graphics have a bit of a uh, fish eye look to them like straight lines tend to have a bit of a curve the further they go in the distance that that is a bit of a side effect of uh, of the the gloom engine that um that sockmaster has just the way it, it creates the 3d um, and because I used a lower resolution than what sockmaster did for his demo it stands out a bit more you can see corridors tend to have a bit of a fish eye. they they curve in the distance a bit so i was thinking of looking at that and trying to see if i can straighten them up a bit um the other thing also i find that they whenever i shot a target it was very um fussy you, you it was very you very much had to hit an, a, a target spot on and because it's low res again everything tended to move fairly quickly in front of you so one moment it's in front of you the next moment it's moved away a bit and quite often I, I, it looked like I sh- I, I'd i hit something but unfortunately by the time it actually fired it would have moved that little bit and it missed. Um, so I'm going to make that a bit more um, uh, lenient on uh, you can uh, you can be a bit off target a bit and it'll hit a target. So it'll be a bit less frustrating, hopefully.
1: OK, because I do remember That's back. I think when we interviewed you or maybe when I was talking to you at some point, I remember you mentioned that um, Rupert Rhythm, you'd always wanted to change the algorithm so that the elevators oh, that would always crab. come up to where you were as opposed to what <laughs> you having to wait through the whole stupid cycle.
2: Yeah, now that one's got a, a lot of things I want to change. So that one's a, <laughs> that's a big. Deal. I don't like that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bury that one. <laughs> I wouldn't
1: mind if you change that one because I've never actually wanted to see that ending show that it supposedly has. So right. you kinda...
2: Well, maybe maybe I'll I'll put out a um, a poke that uh, you can do to bring it up um, um, immediately. I want to earn it
1: somewhat. It just—it's so frustrating when you're waiting for the thing to stop four times and it's going the other direction,
2: and you're getting hit by those. Add some text that says written in OS9. Well, then I just switch
1: another window and play something else. But
2: cool stuff. Um, Cool stuff. Yeah, but that's—that's all I have planned. Okay.
0: Um, Joystick support for that might be kind of cool too for the um, gate crashers. I don't know if that's a major rewrite at that point.
2: Yeah um for ah uh, it that's right it doesn't use joystick. Well there's another good option. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Yeah, I, right. me- I remember when you
0: and I were reviewing the game last year or whatever yeah. it was, so we were talking, I was saying if I had if I had a wish list, there would be joystick support for that yeah, game no, because it is that. a little bit um tedious. Uh, you know, when you when you're looking at like a Castle Wolfenstein Doom style game, those games played well with the joysticks even. Uh yeah, it would cool. give you
1: more variability on speed for turning too, because right now you have mm-hmm. like regular right, speed or if you hold on shift, you get double mm-hmm. speed. That's it.
0: Yeah.
2: Okay, I'll start it i I'll start it this afternoon. <laughs> <Okay>. Should <we laughs> so be done by next you, show. Right? Now you've given me more things to niggle about. Yeah, right. All <laughs> oh, we're <laughs> actually doing
1: is delaying Gunstar, apparently. No,
0: yeah, right. Priorities, right? Priorities. So.
1: <laughs> See, you Multitask without OS nine. See? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he he single tasks. He just takes on a project for a week or two, and then, and then he then eats. I stop the other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, um, let me
2: yeah.
0: let, let me interrupt us all for just a second here because I I want to take a commercial break, but for a very special reason. I have a, a very cool commercial I want to share with you guys, and we'll we'll talk about it afterwards. I'll probably hear. Some of your reactions during the commercial, because I'm not going to mute your your stuff. But we're going to take a quick pause for the cause. We're going to uh, hear a word from our sponsors, and um, and then we'll be right back.
5: Let the Radio Shack TRS eighty put the world of color computing into your home. Instant loading program packs turn any color TV into an exciting game arcade. And there's more. The Color Computer is an educational aid, a home management tool, and up-to-the-minute electronic information service. The programmable, expandable TRS-80 Color Computer from $399 only at Radio Shack, the biggest name in little computers. catch all the latest news and information about the Tandy Color Computer and Compatibles? Oh yeah. I'm talking about the Coco Crew Podcast. Dig it each month. Join John, Neil, and Mike as they lay down the latest news and information about the Radio Shack Tandy Color Computer and Compatibles. Move to interview. Tech segments and discussions all about the Radio Shack Tandy Color Computer. Stretch your fine self over to www.cococrew.org and start listening today. The Coco Crew Podcast.
6: Keeping it Cocoa
0: What would you guys Beary, think of that? Very groovy.
7: Somebody <laughs> needs to lay <laughs> off the acid. I thought there was
0: chicken
2: 70s. balls there. The song seems to go
0: That was... Uh...
2: <laughs> <laughs> like John's
0: comment. <laughs> <laughs> so that was... Um, yeah, so that was a world premiere right there. Hey, John Linville is here. What's going on, John? so um yeah john says oh my god i'm associated with hippies <laughs> sure. i just uh i just threw together like a little funky slideshow to go with the music i was really impressed with that i like that that myro is one talented mofo ain't he <laughs> <laughs> and, and, so, and
1: john i mean uh Red Hat's open source, so isn't that
0: kind of hippie-ish anyways? (laughs) And I I wanted to come back real quick to get your reactions to that, but one more segment I want to add to... uh, to our shows because we're also going audio too. I thought it would be cool to put in little music bumpers in here too. So I've well, I've compiled an assortment of some Coco music clips. So let's play a real quick Coco music clip real quick too because I I I had a lot of fun listening to these guys. So this is a this was a random video game music track uh, for your listening pleasure. Hold on one second. There we go. Frogger and Megabug. A little bit of Coco music for your listening pleasure. So, look forward to more musical interludes on future episodes of Coco Talk as well. So, yeah. Cool commercial, right?
7: Yep. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> I'm still tripping balls from it. But <laughs> dig get your groove on with the Coco crew, dig. <laughs> uh that is some good stuff uh, and we're anxiously awaiting the next episode of the Coco crew podcast No pressure no pressure John just uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh man uh okay so that was cool that was cool so Nick thanks for um, doing that update of Pac-Man 1.1. We're definitely looking forward to future, Tweaks to some of your other classics, but if you know, Gunstar, <laughs> two words, Gunstar. <laughs> <Eventually. laughs> oh man, good stuff. Well,
2: the other bit of news. The only other bit of news is that in two weeks, I'm uh, presenting a, uh, a talk uh, um, about well, all my programming exploits, uh, everything from the TRS-80 Model One and the Color Computer. And I'll be uh, demoing uh, some of the color computer stuff um, that I've done, and and generally the color computer itself. But I'll be demoing it at a at a Apple fest. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to an Apple <laughs> <Two> fest. <laughs> so I don't know how that'll go. Um, Make sure you I'll wear the, body armor. And I'll um, educate a few Apple two people of what about what our um, Cocoa two a uh, Cocoa can do. Or I'll just come home with a face full of tomatoes. So, yeah. <laughs> Go to Apple Fest and get tomato
0: bathed. Yeah. Um, Norlander in the chat, too, sorry for not acknowledging you sooner, says, I get a kick out of those commercials for the Cocoa One in 1982 when I bought my first Cocoa uh, with 32K. It cost me $649 Canadian, eh? So, yeah. <laughs> when I bought mine in the summer,
1: late summer of 1981, 4K was 549
0: Canadian. Wow. That's cool, Nick. That's uh, and and I know we talked about this briefly. And, and if you're able to take pictures or video or something, it'd be kind of cool to have you be our correspondent and show us what some other festivals are like. Um, and and speaking of festivals, I wanted to talk about this. And I don't know if John's still there. And John, if you want to call in on Skype and join us, we'd love to have you, John John W. Linville. Um, but one of the things that the Cocoa Crew was talking about when they you know they, they, every week they talk or every, but every month they talk about the. Um, the different events that are coming. So they talk about VCF and Kansas fest and all these things. And for the longest time, they were talking about Coleco expo and the big running joke with Coleco expo is that it's featuring whatever her name was. Some 21 year old chick from some Disney show. I forgot her name, Sophie Lawrence or Sophie Reynolds or something like that. But, um, so Coleco had this expo and I think it was just earlier this month. It was recently, it was within two or three weeks ago. And, um, and there was a little bit of drama uh, surrounding this Coleco expo and because i'm also a member of a group on facebook that's called calico vision lunatics and there's another one called calico vision fan so for those of you guys who aren't aware whoever currently owns the company calico you know you know calico calico's been a dead entity since 80 something whenever um, somebody bought up the name bought up the rights and and they're now trying to promote Coleco. What they did was basically um, poo-poo on the communities and the fan sites and everything else and they went after any Facebook page that had the name Coleco or Vision in it, went after these different websites, went after everybody and really tried to strong arm the community which you can't survive without your community and there were a bunch of videos posted on facebook in this ColecoVision group people are walking around with their phones and it was a disaster it was a huge huge um area so they had a giant space but these people are walking around in the middle of the day on a sunday all the vendors are sitting there twiddling their thumbs they're looking you know it, it was a maybe a couple of dozen people were there, and it was um, it was a train wreck. And um, I, I'm not saying this because I'm happy about this. I, I don't take any joy in one of these. Festivals not doing well because at the end of the day, if I was a vendor and I had spent money, I would have hopefully had a turnout to be able to sell something. You know, so I feel bad for the vendors. I feel bad for the people who showed up wanting a good experience and didn't have one. Um, but I think the lesson to be learned there is that you can't have these festivals. Without the community support, and when you kind of pee all over that community, uh, this is this was karma. You know, karma came back big time, and um, it's 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 tragic and it's sad because I would love to see all retro things succeed. So I really I'm really looking forward to what you're going to be doing, Nick, in in Australia there with this. Um, Ozfest for the apple, because even though yes we 've had our rivalries in the past and stuff, we don't truly hate them, well, maybe David ladd but um <laughs> um but you know we uh, hopefully we've grown up enough now where we don't have those same rivalries where you know all that kind of stuff, so I want this Apple fest to succeed. We obviously want Tandy's assembly to succeed, and there's no reason why it won't because it's it's embracing the community it's embracing several communities um but I, I just think that it was probably kind of worth mentioning that, you know, one of these things didn't go well, and, it, and it's unfortunate that it didn't, but n- take notes, right? Don't forget the communities themselves that, that make that, you know, that attend to these things. Um, yeah, so if you can bring back photos or um, video or anything else while you're there, it'd be great to play those on a future Coco Talk, just kind of corresponding on another event in a foreign land
4: even, you know, so. Hey, Steve, can I say, you, th- say something about that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was just going to say that I'm, of course, a longtime Apple guy and only recently into Cocos. But, you know, I see from the Apple side, a lot of the Apple people who were were Apple started with Apples, which is, you know, kind of a limited group compared to because the cost was so much more than a lot of the other systems. Mm -hmm. But as as it's gone on, they've kind of wondered, you know, what was it about those Ataris or the Commodores or the Tandys, you know? And so they have bought in other systems, you know, the other people that are into this still. And then on the other side, there are a lot of people that have come to the Apple recently because they were a Coco, you Mm -hmm. know, owner or an Atari or Commodore, and they, you know, I used those in school, and you know, I never could get one, and now I can get one.
0: Right, right, right. So, yep. so true, so true. There's, there's definitely crossover, and oh, yeah. de- and and hopefully, not only is there crossover interest, but I'm assuming there's even crossover camaraderie between these communities, because I know. John Linville has mentioned all the time that if you go to Kansas Fest, yeah, it's like a summer camp for Apple people, but they let Commodore people in there and they let us in there and we get along. So same thing with these Commodore festivals and stuff. So I think these other communities are welcoming of other fans yeah. of other systems and and you you just you hit the nail on the head there like w- I was lucky to have the cocoa when I was a kid and, and you know and I had to take a job to afford it and stuff There was no way I could have afforded two or three systems back then there's no way I could have had a cocoa and an apple and an a Commodore and an Atari um, the cocoa was about the most affordable system or one of the more affordable ones um, nowadays I'm, I'm lucky I have an Atari 8-bit system I haven't actually powered it up yet but I have one I've always wanted one if I could get my hands on an Apple II, would I get one Oh, hell yeah, right? So um, the ha- to have your hands on that nostalgia. And would I be a fan of it? Yes, I would. But even now, it's like I have in a box, a, have yet to take it out of the box. I, do I want to? And I think I got it for $40. <laughs> so, um, you know, if I could get an Apple for 50 bucks, if I can get a Commodore for under 100 or something like that, I'd probably grab them to have them, put them on a shelf to display them and, you know, fire them up. I'm always going to go back to the Cocoa. I'm going to spend my most time on the Cocoa, but sure, I'd love to have one to play with and hook up and maybe record some videos and show off what it's like. Um, and and uh, if I would love to be able to go to all these conventions, you know, VCEs and the Southern Fried Gaming Expo and the World of Commodore. I would love to attend all these things just to see what everybody else is doing, too, you know? So it's great that Nick has that opportunity.
1: Hey, Mark, I, I was going to ask you about that because, I mean, I, I remember back in the 80s, I mean, the rivalry between the different 8-bit systems was pretty heated. I mean, everybody was fighting for their own platform. Yeah, um, I think there's still a little bit of a rivalry, but it's more of a, fem- a friendly rivalry. It's just like, you know, well, we can do good stuff, too, type of thing. It's not a, you know, your system sucks and mine's great like it used to be back in the 80s. Is that your kind of view and what you see? Because you're probably more involved with some of the other platforms than I am.
4: Yeah, it is. Um, you know, there was, always, and back in the day, the Commodore rivalry was. Well, we got this really great sound chip and graphics. Yeah, but your disk drives really suck. <laughs> 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 but we got these fast load cartridges. Yeah, I know. I have a couple myself. They work pretty good. <laughs> but you know, and nowadays, I think everybody's matured a lot. You know, and they realize each platform has its strength. I mean, the yeah. Commodore 64 has its graphic and sound chip. You know, and the disk system. Yeah, well, it's pretty weak. The Apple, you know, doesn't have any hardware support and just one bit sound, but. It's got a pretty good disk system, very flexible, 80-column was, you know, early on very, very viable, even in the early 80s, you know, and so… And it was
1: expandable. You had six cartridge slots, which most machines didn't.
4: Yeah, which didn't have. You know, you had to buy the MPI or the Commodore Commodore 64. You know, you're lucky if you found one that had a pass-through card. I don't think they ever made anything. I think they made some later for the Commodore that would let you have multiple slots, but, yeah, the MPI is really great on the Tandy. You know, and then I don't really know that much about the Atari, but it did have the, uh, the Pokey for the sound and the, oh, it was a player missile graphics, basically sprites. And their system was okay, too. But, you know, people have matured and they've got to the point where they realize there's differences. You know, the, the Coco, what's cool about it is it actually has a better processor than pretty much all the others because it's not strictly 8 bit. Mm-hmm. You know, and besides, you know, and then decent graphics, of course. Um, but, you know, still it's short on there's no sound chip like the Commodore or the Atari had. But anyway. Yeah, just people have gotten more mellow, I think, and they realize the strengths and weaknesses of each, and, you know, and now they try to collect them because, hey, they can. Yeah. Right. I mean,
1: to be honest, well, growing up in the 80s, you know, the, the Atari versus the TI versus the Tandy versus the Apple, et cetera, et cetera, kind of reminded me of the 90s part when it was like Mac versus Windows type thing, you know, it was mm-hmm. a heated rivalries.
4: Versus next versus Sun. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the live chat, Sixy, who's Karen, says, "I guess the Apple equivalent here in the UK would be like buying the BBC Micros, which was really expensive at the time." Yeah. And so, and Solstice says, "Rivalry done right motivates innovation." <laughs> I have to agree um, with
1: that rivalry without hate actually, I think it does, because you kind of compete with each other. And yeah, well, you yeah. That, I'm going to see if I can do something better. You know, it's, it's a friendly and, rivalry.
0: And when it comes to communities, just like the Cocoa was an underdog when it was current, um, our community, as far as the size of our community, is somewhat of a minority number, I would think, too. Because when you look at something like Atari Age or some of these other communities, because there were much more units sold over the time, too, there's, still, there's a larger fan base. And so... Um, And you see similar things happening in those communities where people are making new brew games onto cartridges and people are pushing the limits of like the Atari 2600. Most of the new brew stuff on the Atari 2600, you look at it, you're like, wow, why couldn't somebody do that back in 1980? The same thing we say about the Coco, because you didn't have the time or you just, you learn more with time goes on. So the new brew community on on almost all of the 8-bit platforms, John Linville has posted uh, one of the games that somebody wrote for the Apple II that he was selling it in the past. Package with the Ziploc bag and the, you know, the cassette tapes and all that kind of stuff. So the authentic packaging. Um, so it's great that that these things still happen. These communities exist, and people are developing new hardware, and new software. The Coco SDC, uh, uh, a version of that exists for just about every 8-bit platform. I just listened to Randy Kindig talk about Ian Mavericks, all his products. That the thing that's called the Fred, which is a hard drive emulator that uses an SD card or a Compact Flash, whatever the case was. So. We've all got these new brew hardware and software devices that are pushing um, the systems and showing what they can do and what they could have done. And so I, I, I like that that statement there that we can um, kind of motivate innovation, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. And to be honest, a, I think
1: that's why John brings up a lot of these other shows about other platforms or even projects from other platforms right. as an inspiration to, you know, see what they're able to do and, you know, inspire somebody to do something similar or get inspired by it to do something even beyond on the Cocoa side.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. Uh, so, who, so, who? Okay, so David Ladd says thinking, I'm going to have uh, to go. David says he's going to have to go soon. I was getting ready to ask. I'm sorry, Nick, to cut you off before before uh-huh. we get right back to Nick. So I was going to say who wanted to go next on their segment. So we'll let David go next.
2: Um, go ahead, Nick. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was going to say uh, I might um, take um, Mark McDougall's uh, Apple II port of LoadRunner. And run it on the Apple uh, on the uh, ah, that would, that would be good. That'd be yeah, good to okay. show off that see, Coke at Apple I uh, can do it too. <laughs> Apple Fest. Yeah. See if I can start right. rivalry again. And no, re- right. I will come home with a uh, face full of tomatoes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Whatever you can do, we can do better. Lewis <laughs> <laughs> Fren- right, Lewis Fernandez is here.
2: Talking about all that rivalry during the um, Apple Fest, we actually have got uh, planned to go and attend a Commodore uh, well meeting. I don't know if it's a fest nearby. Actually, there's a Commodore 64 um, mini one-day event happening nearby, and that's going to be one of the um, the things that we're going to do. We're all just going to the whole Apple Fest people. I just got to get to the Commodore 64. Who we'll crash the party. That's cool.
0: That's cool. Just make sure you bring, <laughs> sorry, bring your...
2: Keep, keep bring your rivalry going. No. It's, it's, <laughs> it reminds
0: me of like the old gang war movies of the 70s. Make sure you got your leather jackets and your baseball bats and your chains wrapped around your hands and stuff. So. The Okay. <laughs> the Okay. Warriors, come out and play. Uh, <laughs> uh, in the live chat, we've got Feiscap is here and Luis Fernandez. And uh, David, you ready for your tech segment?
3: Um. As best as I'm going to be, I guess. Well, (laughs) before
0: we start your tech segment, I need to um, go to the infographic card. Are you ready for this? Sure. This is a professional production here, folks. Expect nothing less. Hold on one second here.
4: The bar is raised.
0: Take it away, tech dudes. <laughs> it's Tech Talk. <laughs>
1: actually, before we get to the Tech Talk, I just want to go one one step back for the rivalry for a second. Uh, I remember in high school, we had Apple II Pluses. Uh, we had a whole lab full of them. And occasionally, they would let us stay late on Friday nights and just play games, you know, until like until the janitors kicked us out because they wanted to go home. And there was a few times where we actually had all the other kids that had different machines, VIC-20s, Commodore 64s, Coleco's, et cetera, would bring them in. And we'd play like the rival or the same games that were ported to the different machines. And I remember the Apple people when they first saw the Coco version of Zaxxon were really impressed compared to the Apple II version of Zaxxon.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: you know, we had this friendly rivalry even going in. We had all these machines set up side by side, and people mm-hmm. would jump over and play somebody else's machine. It was a lot of fun.
2: Very cool. Very we very had cool. that rivalry between uh, kids. A lot of the kids had different computers at the time i had a trs80 another fellow had an apple we used to call him the apple user uh another guy i remember had a sinclair zx um zx80 or 81. Mm-hmm. Re- remember those yeah mm-hmm. the
1: Ramtron keyboard
2: yeah and, and those mm-hmm. things um whenever you whenever it had to write to the screen it couldn't refresh the screen at the same time as uh, writing writing to the screen yeah, sort so of flash it would flash even while you're typing a basic program you'd go, off, oh, it's off. and i remember we used to stir this guy who had this every time we walked up to him we would say oh you know, i can't remember his name but to say say it was a uh, bill you know oh hi bill how are you and we'd say that blinking our eyes at him <laughs> <laughs> the computer now, had we Tourette's. Used to bug
1: the people with those there you know, have you had your epileptic seizure yet
2: you know, it would just
1: flash like a strobe light if you're trying to type a program. Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> all right. Well, we are now going to be talking about Tech Talk with David Ladd. And Tech Talk is sponsored to you by Amacoconut.com. For all your color computer needs, make sure you visit Amacoconut.com. <laughs> all right, David Ladd, how are you today this week, sir?
3: Oh, not too <laughs> bad. Um, not really too much in 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 the realm of breaking stuff. Um, um, just found a couple issues with the tool shed project but you know those were pretty quick fixes thankfully Um, so um, as far as uh, only interesting hardware um, tidbit that I saw that someone pointed out um, I think it was Richard Cavell I had mentioned um, was Ron's Thing with the Cocoa SDC and the real floppy drives where the okay. floppy drives weren't shutting off. Um, now, I have not been able to verify this because my power supply that I used to power my floppy drives died, so I can't use real floppy drives at the moment. Um, but I'm thinking that the issue that he described, which is when he did a backup using the Cocoa SDC from a real floppy drive to the SDC's image, the floppy drives were staying on after the backup was done. And I'm thinking that's just because the Coco SDC's, um, the SDC DOS, is not switching back to the slot that has the uh, floppy disk controller to actually turn off the floppy drives. Um, so that's the only little real major thing that I've seen this week that would be, yeah, an annoyance, but it's not that bad of a fix yeah
8: the uh, can i uh, chime in here um uh, i tried uh, the poke um that somebody left on the board to see if that would turn it off and it didn't and i tried a different rom and that didn't make any difference and still did it so
1: yeah because if the slot's not selected it won't get through to the controller
3: yeah, that's that other poke that I gave, which was to the and H FF7F comma and H23. Um, the first value should be the ROM slot, and then the second half of that um, value is the uh, uh, actual IO. So, like where it says and H23. The two yeah. is the ROM slot, and the three is the I/O slot. Um, so that should have worked because I actually had tested it here on my MPI to see, you know, how things were working back and forth. Um, so no, it should that. have worked.
1: I just tried the one Polk, um The FF four zero one.
8: Yeah, four zero comma. Is it comma zero?
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's supposed to shut the drive motors off. But if, if as David's saying, if it's, if the MPI's hardware select, like where I.O. is supposed to go, is set to a different slot, the drive will never see it, so of course it won't shut off. Okay. So if you combine his poke with the FF40, like do his poke first to select the slot, and then do it, that would prove that that is the issue, that it's not reselecting yeah. the slot properly.
8: You know, it turns yeah. off, though, if you hit reset.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, that's because the chip, the chip and the components are designed to reset back to... A zero state yeah. on reset so so review um,
0: what the issue was originally too. you have a um, you have a real floppy controller in which slot that's always supposed to be in slot had, 4 right
8: okay I had uh, uh, slot 4 was the floppy controller mm-hmm slot 3 was the SDC okay and uh, no other boards are in there and then um, I would uh, I would uh, put the uh, script into unload um, drive zero and then I would um, turn off drive one so that I'd use that from uh, my drives and then uh, I would put the um, expression in to save a program on the SDC and it would say okay and then I would do a backup one to zero and it would it would go back and forth, back and forth. Actually, um, the drive stays on, and the little light on the SDC goes on and off. Um, and then when that's all done, the drive light stayed on, and the OK prompt came up.
0: So it acted, like it, stay on, yeah. it acted like it went through the processing, right? Yeah. But what was the end result? You got a corrupted disk on your copy? No, or?
8: nothing. No, the, the it only just, issue it didn't, is... It the didn't the even car. run. The only issue is that the drive stayed on. The motor okay. did do the copy properly, though, right? Yeah, I did. Yep.
0: Okay. Okay. So uh, there's I I don't know why, but I thought I saw a picture where you mentioning there was some contamination or something like that. To no. Yeah. Uh, no. No. Okay.
8: In fact, it was kind of just something to talk about, I guess, because okay, it's an issue, but it it's really nothing. If I hit reset, it everything stays the same, and the motor stops. So, I mean, it's no big deal. Although, um, sometimes. People get nitpicky and they want to make everything perfect, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, I yeah. just thought. Yeah.
3: I'm
1: sure Nick well, has no idea what you're talking about.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, that's something that we probably should um, point that out to Darren, because that's probably something that should be an easy fix for him to do in SDC DOS, because it's just something it should switch back. To the slot that the FDC's in yeah. and shut off the drive when it's done and then switch back to the slot that the sdc in
8: yeah but, i thought you know. i thought maybe the um, sdc was controlling and then um, it would stop just before it turns or you know it, maybe it was the floppy drive controllers working and then it it stops abruptly because the sdc takes over or something like that
3: no Definitely. it's also It's all software control at this point. Um, Okay. Because normally, for um, this was something that was brought up with that MAME issue, Um, um, not related, but it's a similar technique. Is that for keeping your floppy disk access faster, you have all your drives running, so that way you can quickly have access to each drive. When you switch from one to the other, the motor's already running, so you don't 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 wait for it to spin up. Right, so basically in the case of multi floppy disk controller setups, you do the same thing. Because the, there's been people that have run multiple floppy disk controllers in the COCO before. So using an, the SDC and a real FDC is no different than using two or three real FDCs. You just have to have the MPI, you do pokes, you switch slots, copy the data in, switch slots copy the data back out it's same technique from the mid 80s so um so it's just something that probably was just slightly overlooked um might have to bring it up to darren atkinson because he's the one that handles the firmware and the sdc dos patches gotcha. so okay. you say he's uh,
8: not on uh, facebook at all
3: no, there's actually quite a few people that refuse to use Facebook. <laughs> We've had this you conversation know. which... <laughs> so, and, and we're, I don't think this is probably because everybody has their likes and dislikes and, you know, this is, you know, it's it's a respect if, if they choose not to use yes. it, that's their choice. So, yeah, you know,
8: um, uh, I, I'm friends with a guy uh, who had a little company called Sportswear. I don't know if you guys ever remember that in rainbow. Yep. But he was uh, in Toledo, Ohio and I bought my first machine from him and he made uh, a bunch of disc utilities and he was into um, war games and did some war games. Um anyway, I sent a message to him uh he's, he says he's only on Facebook for his daughter. His daughter is a uh, she's a um you know, a girl that goes on TV and does spots on TV, what do you call it, like, uh, she's a reporter. Okay. You know? And so she just, he just follows her on there. And I said, well, um, things are really happening on uh, in the Cocoa world. And this was a while back when I did it. And then I did it again on, on the Messenger. I said, you yeah, might want to take a look and see if your sportswear company can maybe come back into being again, you know. And I said, there's emulators and stuff. Take a look, and then I left the link for the um the website. or you know the Facebook group. yeah, so we'll see what happens. He's a really nice guy. he um He had a window company. My wife worked for him, and uh, they used Model Fours and had VisiCalc back then. <laughs> they actually ran the business with it. It was uh Thermoguard Windows.
0: Yeah, I the you know the the choices people make on how they choose to communicate are, are you know they're they're as unique as the individuals themselves, and so um, I, I get you know some people don't want to divulge their privacy and, and etc. And I'm not here to cast judgment, but. Um, it is sure a hell of a lot easier to communicate via Facebook than it is the mailing list or a Yahoo group or the IRC chat. Or I don't, I couldn't, I can't speak to the IRC chat. I've never been on there. I, you know, once the 21st century hit, I started using some of those tools. <laughs> um, <laughs> And this is the paradigm of everything is that, yes, we are fans of a retro machine, but I also know that there are modern conveniences, and I choose to use those for most things. You know, retro is a hobby. It's not a lifestyle. (laughs) So (laughs) if there's a modern form of communication, I will choose that. Uh, (laughs) And, yes, there's concerns with privacy and everything else, and that's not what this show is about. But, yeah, the fact that we have a mailing list, a Facebook group, an IRC chat, that there are some Yahoo groups still. Still out there possibly some smoke signals happening maybe some um, maybe some crop circles are going on somewhere maybe there's a couple of coffee cans with very long strings somewhere else um, you know <laughs> Plenty of ways to communicate. I'm not here to judge. I just know for me, Facebook is really super convenient. So. Yeah, I'm just
1: waiting for all the rib systems to come back online <laughs> through telnets. So we can fight on that and get the echoes
0: going again. Yeah. So I I just think that's funny when we talk about we're, we're trying to bring our community together. Um, there are so many different ways <laughs> that we're already separated <laughs> from each other. There's OS nine versus you know this standard color basic. You name it. Um, uh, good stuff, good stuff. So so this is an issue, this is now another known issue. We're discovering issues, We, you know, David is the guy who, who he, we, we say he breaks things, but what he's really doing is he's finding the flaws in in the matrix, right? So he's finding the glitches in the matrix and he's communicating that and we're hopefully getting those patched. So one of the glitches that we discovered not too long ago was the MAME floppy controller emulation that actually could lead to disk corruption. So that's not a good thing, right? And so that has kind of got to work around still happening um then there was something you mentioned you just barely mentioned it at the beginning david and i don't know how much time you have left but the whole tool shed thing that you're also involved when in. um do you have time to talk a little bit about tool shed and some of the limitations um, of fat 32 and 32-bit operating systems and stuff or
3: um okay well there's as far as the tool shed project um for most people with like the coco sdc and DriveWire. um most people have been using because, really, in practicality, 128 megabyte hard disk image is more than enough for OS 9 and all the available software for it.
1: Mm-hmm. But uh, just, I know just there's interject
3: one thing I think because not all
1: viewers are going to even know what Toolshed is. Maybe we should explain what is this yeah, thing we're do that we're talking
3: about. Yeah, the Toolshed project was put together um, to give different utilities that you could have on Linux, Mac, and Windows so that you could manipulate, create and transfer files between that native OS and the disk images for like OS 9 or Disk Extended Color Basic disk images. Um, There's even a tool in there for working with cassettes. There's a cassette or the Color Extended Basic executable for doing cassette stuff so there's all these tools that's in there to make your virtual um coco life a little easier um so uh, it's just little things that since i've been doing this experiments because we've been doing all these you know virtual hard disks uh with the coco sdc drive wire um, and, of course, it's like, well, Nitrous 9 or OS 9, period, could handle up to a 4 gig volume. And back in the 80s, that's, like, way forward-thinking. Because who, who the hell would think about wanting a 4 gig worth of storage? That's, like, insane. You know? But yeah. um,
1: with, with a machine with 64K RAM. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So, yeah. you know, and, and so I started trying to create an actual 4 gigabyte disk image for OS 9. And that's when I started running into little hiccups. Like, if you're on a 32-bit OS, um, when you compile the tool shed, well, 32 bits, your cutoff is a 2 gig file. So if your disk image, if you want a 4 gig disk image, you can't do it. Unless you, during compilation, you have to tell it to use 64-bit file offset values. So So that's something that no one ever thought of. So that's something that was just a minor tweak. TorMod's already um, taken care of that on the repo. So now when you build it, whether it's a 32-bit OS or 64-bit, now the file offset stuff's been taken care of. Okay. Okay. there, the other thing is that there was a routine to automatically detect uh, the best cluster size. So that way, because you only have, I believe, what is it, two bytes, two bytes, Curtis, for the bitmap? Um,
1: the second so, map, you mean, or cluster map?
3: Uh, yeah, you have, Well, you the bitmap. You have
1: two bytes for the, uh, like, you have 16 bits Right, which, number, and then each bit is represents a cluster. So you, yeah, you've got sixty five
3: thousand five hundred
0: thirty five times eight. Yeah, which is five thousand
3: four hundred four hundred twenty. Yeah, five. Five hundred twenty four thousand two hundred eighty. Has this become math talk? Let me do that in hex. <laughs> um, so it's just. Um, It's just certain things that uh, uh, the way the routine that was in there to determine the automatic clusters was ending up that it would flip the value and then at a 4 gig image, the cluster size was zero. So, of course, when you're trying to do that, well, you can't divide a value by zero. So you get a floating point error. Uh, So there's just been some submissions that will eventually... Be put onto the repo to correct for that, and then there's other things that have already been corrected, so it's just a work in progress. That just little things that no one no. ever thought of would be <laughs> to 4 gig, you know. So, yeah,
1: because nobody had really tried to push it to the 4 gig limits, and then you were hitting some problems, I think, with FAT32, like for older yes. Windows systems, that the file system itself for Windows can't handle a file bigger than 2 gig.
3: Right, and for the people that use a Coco SDC, um, if you want a hard disk image, a two gig image is the max that you can use on the Coco SDC because it uses FAT32 on the SD cards. So you just so so the
0: so the breaking news is right now: if you want to create a virtual hard drive, unfortunately, we are limited to two gigabits and two gigabytes in size. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And with the vast array of Cocoa software, how are we ever going to squeeze all that into two gigs?
3: (laughs) For Nitrous 9 stuff, 128 meg should be more than enough. (laughs) It's just some people, you know, see for me, I like to go to the extreme. Can it do it? Okay, let's push it. And that's how you find (laughs) the problem.
0: You i got to have it. more cowbell.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, though, we could start actually hitting this limit.
1: If we get the drivers in Nitrous 9 to handle the streaming function of the ah, STC stuff, and you start throwing podcasts on there and video versions of the podcast, please, these please. will be many, many megabytes and sometimes ah, gigabytes. there you, you go. You may start running out of room.
0: Okay, that's a terrible problem to have that we will then have to address.
1: Right? Yes. So, well, Dave's
8: already starting. He's forward-thinking. Yes. He's forward you can thinking. We also have uh, multiple cards. Yes, well, we need, to,
0: we need to pause the research on mail enhancement and get back to priorities and getting our hard drives in order here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, the,
3: well, that, that is to run the Coco SDC um, because you can handle up to a 32 gigabyte SD card in the Coco SDC. So you could have multiple um, 2 gig. Virtual hard disks. So that's really not a bad thing. I know some people want to try putting uh, Nitrous 9 and multiple virtual uh, disk basic volumes on one hard disk image. But if you're on the Coco SDC, technically, do you really need to do that? (laughs) Because you just just mount... Well, right.
0: you could also ask the question, did you really need to push the two gigabyte boundary barrier on a hard drive So you know, to, <laughs> to each their own? So. Well,
1: that depends on how long our Cocoa Talks get. If we digitize the video version of it and throw it on a card to play it on a real Cocoa using the streaming, yes. yeah, you might. These three and a half hour shows, you know, I might
0: be pushing <laughs> something. That's, we'll that's to ask cool. Ed. I don't know how much is yeah.
1: uh, transcoding to the Cocoa on the Cocoa STC, how much a three and a half hour video show would take.
0: Right, right. All right. Well, I so, think we need we need to take another break here in just a minute because I also have to take a restroom break. But um, who wants to go next after our break? Ron or Bruce? Would you guys like to go next?
8: Let Bruce go. I I can wait. Okay.
0: Yeah,
9: I'm in. Hey, I'm in no rush. I wasn't.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, don't don't uh, don't fight over it too much, guys. All right. Well, we're gonna take a, <laughs> we're gonna take a commercial break. I'll be back in a few minutes, and we'll pick this up. So very cool. Thanks, yeah. Dave.
3: All right. Later, everyone. <laughs> We will
0: return
5: after these messages.
6: Hey, everybody! This is Bill Noble, co-author of Nitrous Nine. You are listening to Cocoa Talk Live, the leading live cocoa talk show.
5: It's a Radio Shack Merry Christmas. This year, I needed to give a real family pleaser.
6: Honey, please, help me with this budget. How about a new game, Dad? Please? And I found it. Radio Shack's Color Computer 2. On sale for just $99.95. It entertains, educates, manages. It's expandable and affordable.
5: Now that really pleases me. The Color Computer 2. Sale price for Christmas. Only at Radio Shack.
0: Hey guys, Stevie Stroh here, and if you're a fan of vintage computing and retro gaming, you're gonna love our Retro Swag Shop at 8Bit256.com featuring hand-drawn custom designs and pixel art by Instagram artist Joel M. Adams. We've got the brand new official Cocoa Talk t-shirt, I'm a Coconut t-shirt, and all kinds of other cool video game and arcade related artwork. Check out 8Bit256.com for all your Retro Swag needs today.
6: Plans after school. You know what Elliot's gonna do? Jeff, too. Elliot's at work on a book report using it on Radio Shack's Color Computer 3. It hooks up to his TV. And Jeff's at his Radio Shack Color Computer 3 playing the newest football game. But wait, what's Elliot doing playing new Super Pitfall? And Jeff's having a blast with a new math tutor. You never know what you might try with more than 100 programs for fun and learning. Radio Shack's Color Computer 3 comes with everything you see here. Other items each sold separately. Only at Radio Shack.
0: Hey guys, Original Gamer Stevie Stroh here, and if you're listening to Coco Talk, chances are you're interested in the Color Computer. If you'd like to find out more about the Color Computer, then visit my Cocoa Links page at imacoconut.com. There you will find communities, podcasts, YouTube channels, project sites, blog sites, hardware, software, buy, sell, trade, you name it. So for all things Color Computer, visit imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A, coconut.com. Dot com and tell him the original gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. And we are back. So, what was your question there, Curtis? Any thoughts on getting video bumpers as well as just audio with a still photo? What do you mean by that? Ah, you're muted, Curtis. <laughs> Sorry about
1: that. <laughs> uh, the vid- the bumpers that you got, like with Bill and and Rick and stuff here. It- you know, with just a still photo, and then they're just speaking in the background. I was just wondering if you thought, you know, and given any thought to them actually doing a recording of them.
0: talking. Yeah, I have to go with what is sent to me. So when I'm sent an audio okay. clip, the best I can do is put a still photo to it. I actually have so I have I have at least one video bumper, but yeah, whatever people send me is what I will play. So I.
1: Okay, I didn't know if you had a stipulation. You wanted it only one
0: way. No, right. no, I just asked for. I asked for it, and I'm happy. You know what? I'm just happy I got something. <laughs>
1: okay. I'll, I'll do one in about a month when I get some time.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Cool, cool, cool. All right. So flip a coin. Do we want to do the Bruce Moore OS 9 discussion, basic, basic O9 discussion? Yes, Bruce, you're muted too. I yeah. am? Oh, no. Okay. Never mind. You just weren't, Your lips were moving. That's, uh, so <laughs> cool.
1: He's giving his mime talk
0: or do we want to look at Ron Delvaux's very cool digitizing sample you wanna show us your stuff Ron?
1: do what
8: you want bud
0: before you do though I have to introduce you properly alright so we've got a proper introduction for Ron so hold on just a second folks and, and be prepared to be impressed here ladies and gentlemen it is time for Ron's Garage with Ron Delvaux featuring a peek into the past with Ron's retro collection take it away Ron
7: Hello. How do you like that? <laughs>
0: Grant is here. Grant Leedy has joined us, too. Hey, Grant. Welcome to Coco Talk, and feel free to join us on Skype. Um, so, Ron, we certainly appreciate you. you. You have been posting all kinds of cool pictures on Facebook and on the Cocoa group and the Tandy 1000 group. You've got an impressive collection of a lot of really cool vintage hardware and we're very pleased to have you share some of that with us and today you're going to show us something really cool that's been running in the background so tell us about what you got
8: all right first off i want to show you that these are some of the things that i have in my collection
0: oh wow that is a <laughs> dust covers sealed in plastic
8: oh, a dust cover in the box in wow the
0: in the bag
8: and a hard drive cover
0: oh a dust cover for the hard drive perfect yeah. for all your For all your proper ventilation needs. (laughs) Perfect for ventilating your hard drive. Has
8: anyone ever had their stuff in storage and pulled it out and uh, you've got an old cover and it kind of uh, has changed over the years to a sticky, (laughs) ugly thing? Yes, my
1: Cocoa One cover did that.
0: Oh, like the, 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 yeah, because rubber starts to deteriorate over time too. Rubber becomes really sticky and nasty and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) No, oh. oh. Oh, and can you grab me a drumstick from over by the TV too? There's oh, a blue God. drumstick. Okay. We have a we special have treat a when collection. you're
8: done. Some rainbows that were made like a
0: newspaper. Oh, wow. The last,
1: the last ones know? before they went under.
0: That is that is really neat.
1: I have a
8: large collection. I think they were in 1992.
0: Um Wow, Very really wonderful. nice. Really nice looking it's rainbows. Huge Thank ads.
8: you. It's just like the rainbow
1: only supersized
0: Wow. <laughs> and it's it in was, color. Was that
1: the last year and a half of rainbows, I think they did that as a cost cu- cutting yeah. measure for the old gloss.
0: That's yeah. really nice.
1: In fact, if oh, I remember nice sundog systems, dad was in one of those. Yep. For pretty
8: neat. And then um i have this uh, digitizer running over here it's the ds69 b i think i had an a and um what happened was the thing stopped working and so i sent it back to them and they made it a b and send it back to me fixed which was cool i did have a lot of uh, time on it um basically i'm going to show you how it uh, how it loads up and shows the Microworks thing. I, 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 can you see it, Clint?
0: We can see it, but now because you're full screen, I have all the thumbnails, the little smaller icons. There you go. There you go. Pan down. Right. That's perfect. That right. Yeah, that's perfect. Okay. Gonna- and, and while you're doing that too, I, wanted, I just want to make one comment too because I realized something I said a long time ago in the interview. When I was playing back, I think it was maybe the Dale Lear interview, because when you look at Skype, whoever's full screen is big. And so I mentioned something like, you know, we have we have here, we have Dale Lear, and beneath him are some smaller icons. And I realized that somebody listening to that might think that had to do with somebody's significance in the grand scheme of the Cocoa universe, which wasn't the implication there. It was really just that the thumbnails of their faces were smaller than his face there. But when I was, when I was listening to that playback, I'm like, wow, that probably sounded kind of schmucky. <laughs> But, yeah, so, yeah, we have these little thumbnails of everybody else in the Skype call. And here we go. So we're looking at this Cocoa screen.
8: The program's called CC, C-S-E-E. It runs a basic loader, and then um, you see the micro words. Oh, yeah, I like
0: that. A little graphical title screen there.
8: Yeah. And then it's just, like, your basic thing. It has, um, at the top, it says you can show your control panel, and uh, it has... Uh, my, I have the, this joystick, which is probably another neat thing. It has two buttons. Yes. Uh, see if I can orient myself right. There's a uh, button on the front and on the top. Anyway, it doesn't s- support the other button on this one. But anyways, you can toggle back and forth and uh, change the value. And then um, at the very top, let's see, it says... Uh, 16 level picture menu, take a five level picture, fast scan level picture, five level picture rather. Printer menu, you can print it. Disc menu, you can change to drive zero or to drive one. Cassette menu, you can save it to cassette, believe it or not. Uh, and you can exit the program and you can toggle the picture with the main menu, which is basically going what's in the memory. So I put it on fast scan five level picture and, uh, that's a control panel. Wow! There's a.
0: That's so impressive. That is so impressive. That that's slow this level. is you
8: can do a. Um, there's a bunch of different levels. If you go to the sixteen level picture, you can take a one twenty eight by one twenty eight picture or a two fifty six by two fifty six picture, and then you can uh, when you see it, you can dither it in two different ways: as ordered and summation dither. And then there's a 16-color display, which is pretty ugly. No, <laughs> oh, wow. But that there's nothing really in memory there. Let's see if I can take a picture. If I
1: remember, too, it had an option. It, it could save 16 levels of gray, and when you did printouts, you could actually see the full 16, if I remember. Mm. Is that right?
8: Yeah, I think so. so and
1: I mean, how, so the printouts and, and that's the
0: being fed really with better. just, like, the yellow composite cable, or right? it's an RCA input there?
8: Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. It's okay. a RCA out on the uh, VCR. Okay. And actually, I wanted to show you, uh, since I'm an uh, astrophotographer, I have uh, telescopes and a little observatory in my backyard. I came up with this, um, this is a small camera that will uh, fit in your eyepiece. Okay. And um, when I first tested this out, out in my observatory, uh, the uh, it's a, I guess it's a composite um out and um when you plug this in you absolutely see nothing because it has to be hooked up to a telescope (laughs) ah so i knew the thing worked but i I, I didn't have that vcr until yesterday i went to um goodwill and picked it up for 5.99 i have i wanted to
0: (laughs) show you this (laughs) i
8: have so much junk here let's see um where
0: did not you just post to you got a couple of Model 100 portable computers at a thrift yes, store? I did. You For booger. For a dollar. They were 49 You booger. 49. You booger. <laughs> I waited <to> two
1: weeks. <laughs> 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 well, while he's looking there, you should mention John Linville's comment, too.
2: Yeah, let's
0: see. Let me scroll back here. So, John Linville says, Viewing the live video through the DS69 is what convinced me that reasonable video playback on a Cocoa could be possible in the first place for what it's worth. Yes, very wow, cool. Wow, cool.
8: Now, you can see it's a pretty good picture from far yeah. away. Yeah, yeah. From even close up, I mean... That's that's
0: kind like of like me, too. I posted, I, I yeah. take a pretty good picture from far away, too, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the jury's still out on that.
1: Uh, <laughs> okay. Let's see. There's a picture taken.
8: Now I go back to, uh, here's the different dithers. I don't know if you can see It's kind of dark.
0: Yeah, yeah, we can see it. What monitor is that, by the way?
8: This is the uh, CM8.
0: CM8 on a Cocoa 3. So we're looking at this with no artifacting.
8: Right. Yeah, that's easier to see.
0: RGB mode. Yeah, that looks really nice.
8: This is summation dither. Wow. And then uh, says, "Here's the color." (laughs) Oh wow. Kind of crazy. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's hurting my eyes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Make it stop! Make it stop! (laughs) Uh, I promise I'll be good. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and a quick question to Nick: You did. You later did a digitizer yourself, the digit scan, the Rascan. Was did you have any knowledge of how the DS69 worked, or did you? Was that a totally independent project? Or
2: um, I had more knowledge of the Amiga's uh, Digiview digitizer and how it worked. So I modeled I tried to model the uh, the Digiscan or Rascan on, on that. Um, not so. Okay, much so on. it had
1: nothing to do with the DS69. no. Or no. Okay.
8: All right. And so um, that's it looks really much good. Yeah, you save yeah. them off on your uh, on uh, drive one on a blank floppy. It's put right uh-huh. in there, and uh, you can save off uh, whatever levels that you've um, captured. Um, it's a lot of fun. That's it's neat. a lot of fun to go back and look at. I used to have a an old Quasar camera. It was about this big. Had a lens on the front, had a handle on it, and it it did nothing. It did all it did was pro- provide a pic, uh, video, color video. It didn't. It just had a cable that came out and went to a VCR that you uh, recorded with. Now that is back, you know, in the 80s, and that was probably a 70s, late 70s uh, um, camera. But I did a lot of um, pictures of myself and things at home with that, and digitized it.
0: And that's now cool. um,
8: you can't find a camera with a, a composite out.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, yeah.
8: Um, I'm thinking of maybe uh, th- that little camera I showed you. If I put a lens on there, I could probably get it to work like a, a camera, but um, it has to be able to focus. Plus, um, I do know, I just might find something at uh, Goodwill. You never know.
0: You just never know. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, in the live... In the live chat, Solstice was asking about a video demo. I think he's talking about Ed Snyder's Media Player, because he was asking about the uh, the the kind of Japanese animation black and white video. What oh, do we got there? Rainbow on disc. Ooh. Yeah,
8: I have a whole bunch of these too, that I've. Um,
0: Those like. are originals. Yes. you so you got such a such a treasured collection. I'd like to be in your will. I don't want you to pass anytime soon or anything, but I would just like to yeah, be your man. beneficiary. That's all. Hey,
4: Ron. <laughs> hey, Ron There's are my rainbow.
0: Wow. Rainbow
8: collection. There's a
0: There's... lot of them in there.
8: I don't know if I have them all, but I have a lot of them.
0: Wow. That is so cool. Are you? I, hey, Ron, are you coming to Tandy Assembly?
8: I would like to. It depends on money, you know. Okay. So...
0: It'd be great now, to get you so out I there know, and get some of your off co- off. get some of your collection on display, you know.
8: If we if we pay off a couple of bills in time, it might be pretty easy to do it. But
0: until okay, then, that would be cool. And, and oh, you,
8: know, oh, you guys had talked about um, this color mouse. I have that
0: neat, neat. That looks like a actual it's Logitech a, Microsoft style mouse. Two right button there. one. Yeah.
8: And then there's uh Another gadget I wanted to show. People, uh, over the time, have made interesting devices.
0: High-res interface for joystick and mouse. Cassette? Yeah,
8: cassette. And you could bypass the high-res and just have a regular
1: joystick.
7: Okay.
8: Well, without
1: having to unplug everything. You just put that in flick a switch and you've got a regular cassette
8: yeah. port.
0: Wow. Or the high-res.
8: You can see all these cables. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. Quite the uh quite the collection. Yeah.
8: It's pretty ingenious. Even on the back it's
0: uh it's labeled. Wow, wow. Right. So you have you have your your basic output ones and then you've got multiple inputs that you can kind of yeah. switch through. Yeah. So yeah. Switch that was port. kind
1: of, that was kind of necessary because the high res joystick interface took a joystick port and the cassette port to work. Right. So if you wanted to load anything off cassette, you had to unplug everything and put plug that in. That
0: yeah. you just have to yeah.
8: switch. That's it's neat.
0: Good. That's neat.
8: There's one thing else I wanted to show. is uh, This is uh, Cocoa Max that I got from somebody. And, um,
7: mm-hmm.
8: Remember, you had to have this in your machine. This is actually mine. I got this from somebody else. But I'm, on uh, the top, is a joystick port. You had mm-hmm. to put a joystick in there. Because this is the high-res module, basically.
0: Okay. Right. But, uh,
8: are you guys aware that they... Um, somebody hacked it so that... Uh, on uh, Cocoa one or two, you can run Co- Cocoa Max without these.
1: Yeah. Try to remember who did it. Was it Chet Simpson who did the hack? Or can I can't remember now.
8: I don't know. It's not is uh, that particular version in the um, archives?
1: I haven't looked to be honest. I know I have it hidden away in one of my eight hundred discs somewhere, but
8: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing I have. I have a stack of uh, bins that are full of floppies. And I went through um, a whole bunch of my um, Max files that are saved from this uh, thing here, and um, from I think Coco Max makes them um, Max files. Yeah, they're low, low res artwork. And what's neat is I went through a lot of um, my stuff from work when I used to use the Coco for jobs. I would uh, I would take this uh, scanner here. Well, actually, I would take my camera out to a job. I would videotape um, the building, and then I'd come back and digitize the front of the building, and I'd make uh, a sketch of the sign and put that up on the building so the customer could see what his sign would look like before, um, you know, when I'm selling the job to him. He could Mm -hmm. get an idea what it's going to look like. Back then, it was, like, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody else did anything like that. And I was doing it with, uh, you know, uh, you know, it was black and white. It wasn't. It was like the precursor to new stuff, you know. Yeah, now yeah. they do it all the time. I'm sure. I've been out of it maybe ten years, so I'm not sure in the sign business what they're doing. But I certainly would do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Nothing that's like, like pre uh, what
8: the sign looks like already you know pre
0: visualization you know you're showing you're basically showing like a render uh, nowadays. Wizzy you wing know, for the sign industry. Yeah, yeah. Which nowadays everybody's yeah. doing like virtual three D tours, and you can design a blueprint and show you a three D model of what something's going to look like. But back then, that was really revolutionary.
8: And this is my old uh, Disto four in one controller with the uh, options for a printer. Um ribbon on the side hmm
1: <laughs> yeah i had a three-in-one cool. version myself
8: it never uh was easy to carry around unless you roll it up but <clears throat> that um has software um that they gave you and um you know it's all coco 2 stuff <clears throat> you can switch between dos as you hit dos zero uh first dos comes up as DOS. second one is uh my uh, a dos and third one is uh rs dos and then the last one was uh j and m dos on that on that controller so it's fun to um software switch between them you can only do it um <clears throat> you can do it either by pokes or uh and you can do that i guess in a program if you wanted to access one but um it's neat to uh when you first start up to go ahead and switch to the one you want and and take off and do what you're going to do so that's cool that's pretty much all i have today i can show you my uh model 102s that i got i um ran across a program that you can um input it's a machine language program that changes the date because it's it's not year 2000 compliant, when you turn it on, it says, uh, uh, January 1st, 1900 or something. (laughs) 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 That's really retro. Yeah. So if you run this little, um, binary program, uh, it'll, uh, set the, um, last two digits to, um, you know, it's, it's not even 2000. It just sets the digits to the year. And, um, in that machine, when you set the date, uh, and the d- date of the um, week, yeah, it, it wasn't linked at all to the year, so it's an easy fix. Like. That was fun. Um, cool. Next uh, week after this one, I'll be back and I'll show other stuff that I've got. I've got uh, a ton of cartridges. You know, I have tons and tons of these things here. Um...
0: yeah yeah
8: i have some a whole bunch that are in the, in their original boxes still and um that's fun to look at they have never been touched
0: Neat. that's about it that's, that's cool that's cool the rick adams just joined us hey rick how are you hey rick very very cool thanks for sharing that um sure. very cool section all right we are back we are back and um that. We have with <laughs> we us now Mr. Bruce Moore, the author of Forest of Doom, our work in progress, Forest of Doom, author of many other great titles available on t software at your local uh, cocoa retailer near you. <laughs> And, and so on your journey of, of working on your project that's 30-some-odd years in the making, which was original. Oh, hold on. What's Curtis holding up here? Let's zoom in on Curtis here for a second. What do you got here? we T and TND Software right there, Color Computer Cassette, number 50, volume 50. Very yeah, cool. you'd have to
1: let me know which ones he specifically did because I've got about a half a dozen or a dozen of them. So
0: Neat. <laughs> Might need to get those autographed too, so when that happens. Um, <laughs> very cool. So you're working on Force Doom right now, which you're doing mostly in, in normal uh, color basic, which is built into the ROM. Um, but then you've also started to tip, uh, dip your toes into the water that is basic 09 on the OS 9 operating system, right? Oh, and you've even got the manual. Very cool. So uh, I have that video, and now I just gotta find it real quick. So hold on one second. You you prepared a a, a small video for us, and let me switch over where we can see it, where we can show your you little demo of doing basic O nine here for one second. So can you guys see my screen? Yep.
1: Yeah. Okay. My first yep. attempt,
0: attempt getting, getting into, into big nine, nine on PCC. So we've got a Nitrous 9 hard drive, and we've got a Nitrous 9 boot disk in our floppy. You can (laughs) see that. (laughs) Hearing a little bit of echo, if anybody's got their speakers on or not. It's real quiet. Back okay so you're using v- VED as what a, a text editor right
9: Yeah here.
0: Okay you just mentioned that you're switching windows right now You can just flip back to your editor, you you said.
9: I get the now you're gonna,
0: you're mentioning that you're going to load in your test, test basic09 file. <laughs> says, I, I don't know, I don't care at this point. That's cool, though. All right, so let me switch back where we can all uh, see what we're talking about again. But um, very cool. So you um, booted up OS 9 on VCC, of all emulators. Uh, you had an OS 9 boot disk on a floppy that got you to a hard drive. You ran VED, which was a text editor. You typed in a very small program, loaded that into Basic O9, and ran it. So just kind of showing that... Things can be done in Basic 09, and um, from what Curtis has told me, it's faster for a variety of reasons and um, cool stuff. So, uh, anything else you'd like to share with us on your experiences with Basic 09 right now?
9: Well, I mean, not a whole lot. I'm, I'm fighting through the uh, sort of the emulators, so I've switched over to MAME mm-hmm. on my Mac, and I've got that. Reasonably working now, and and then it, there's these tiny little syntax things. So uh, you know, I'm looking at a piece of code wondering why is this not running, and I you know, and then it's like then I see well when I'm doing this type command, you don't use curly braces, you got to use square ones. Oh, I, okay, fine, you know. So a whole bunch of silly little things like that because I'm okay. I'm used to basic syntax otherwise. Um, so so far fun. It's uh, being the basic 09 is a structured language. There's a lot more power and flexibility, self-documenting. I expect that once I just, you know, get used to the new syntax and the, you know, the key combinations with MAME that uh, I can probably put something together, you know, a lot faster than, certainly a lot faster than if I started trying to write something in assembly right now. and yeah, and uh, my brother gave me a great idea for a, a spinoff of Forest of Doom, which I thought I would, uh, as my first little foray into BASIC-09, I thought I'd try something like that. So okay, a, cool. a sequel, as it were. Very cool. Yeah, yes. and Curtis has been a lot of help. Curtis and Curtis has been a lot of help on the BASIC-09, and then David Ladd's been helping me get the whole main thing figured out, and, and why my image from Bill Noble wasn't booting turned out. I was um, at, I was pointing to the Coco 3 ROM, the the 6809 ROM, not the six. What's the other one? 6309. 6, 6309. Yeah, yeah. Well, as soon as we sorted that out, then everything worked worked again. So, but you know, need need the expertise of the other people in the community to point me in the right direction.
0: Very cool. And we have.
1: Did you, plenty did you of have that. any questions uh, based on that video that you wanted to ask while we're on the on the air, so that other people can learn at the same time? Like like you had a couple questions I think in, in, during your video even. Oh,
9: um, well, I, I, hmm, let me see here.
1: At the end, I was just wondering whether
9: I could say run and the file name and- uh,
1: Okay. No. I, I can explain that. There's there's a local <laughs> directory for your procedures in Base 9 because you can have multiple c- procedures in your loaded in RAM. So right. when you're doing Durin stuff, it's showing your RAM copies that are in Base 9 itself. Um, so you can run a for certain procedure. You have a procedure named test, you have another one called test2 another one called test3. So you do run test2, test3. Uh, it won't load it from disk because that is meant to only run within your current Bascon nine workspace. So you can and you can have multiple procedures in one file. If, if you went to your VD editor and you made procedure test, procedure test two, procedure demo, or whatever, if you load them up into Bascon nine, you'll suddenly see all three of them pop up, and then you can run them individually from there. right.
9: And so now, so if I call, uh, from a basic 09 program i call a procedure which isn't currently in ram my understanding is it's going to go looking for it on a disk is that
1: is that right um y- if it's packed yes if like okay. if you've packed it down semi-compiled it if, if you're okay. trying to run it just from raw source code like you're doing right now on the demo then no it won't go run and get it it'll try to get it within basic nine's workspace first if it can't find it then it'll go into your commands directory and try to get a packed one. It doesn't have to be a basic 9 program. You can call assembly language programs, C programs, Pascal programs, Fortran, COBOL, whatever you want.
9: Yeah, that's another thing I find, uh, I think it will be really cool because um, you know with RS basic, I would occasionally call small little uh, machine language code bits, and it looks like it'll be even easier under basic 9 to do that very same thing. So I'm looking forward to fiddling with that too.
1: Yeah, you can call like Graphic Display Viewers. You can call them the play command I did that plays WAV files and all kinds mm. of things, so yeah.
9: Yeah, and did I hear you say something about um, Ed Snyder's drivers maybe ending up in OS 9?
1: Well, we were talking about it for doing the streaming, and it's definitely capable of doing it. I mean, you'll basically cut multitasking out during the duration of it, but yeah, there's no reason you couldn't. Mm-hmm.
9: Yeah, that, that creates a lot of possibilities for uh, for game development, I think. Yeah. Well, that's That's cool. That's cool.
0: So you're working on a uh, a project right now that's using traditional basic ROM-based basic. And so you're already thinking about a follow-up, a sequel that might run in basic 09. So that's kind of cool. It's nice to see people testing these new platforms and, 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 you know, taking it. I can't. I can't imagine what was the next to what you're doing now. What's the most recent project that was written in Basic 09? I'm sure there might be some people at home who are maybe doing something, but as far as what the community knows about and might be an actual product that we're going to be able to get our hands on sometime, it's kind of cool that there's going to be a new project and a new game or whatever written in Basic 09 in 2017, you know? Kind of cool. Cool. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for blazing the trail there, Bruce. Sure, it's fun. <laughs> Somebody's <laughs> got to do it, right? Yeah. Uh, I know
1: Bill and I, we used Baseco9 for our work development because we were basically uh, a rapid application development, RAD programming. You had to write a program as quick as possible, not run it as fast as possible, but write it as quick as possible. And Basic 9 was so much faster than doing it in Sear Assembly. So right. we wrote everything for literally 15 years using Baseco9. Very, very yeah, that's cool.
9: Yeah, that's my hope too. Like if I, you know, I don't want to spend the next three years trying to write another game for the Coco. Like I'd like to get it out, get it done and get it out. And, and I'm not doing graphic intensive stuff. So the speed is not as important.
0: Okay, Grant Leedy is asking the question, is Basic09 slash Nitrous09 being updated? And, and, and then he's also saying, how is Basic09 better than RS Basic?
1: I will let Bruce answer the second one, because he's kind of learning that as he, as he goes, and I'm a little bit biased. Um, as far as the first one, yes, I mean, David in, has been, you know, helping fix some bugs. We're actually working on trying to get some 6309 optimizations into OS9, or Nitros 9 Level 1 for the 6809, because there's some, and 6309, because there's some spots there that, you know, weren't updated that should be, like, you know, high-speed TFM scrolling and clear screens and stuff like that, so... Yeah, it's still being actively worked on. I mean, you know, drive wire and stuff. If we get this new STC streaming driver, that'll be another update. We want to get Nick and, and John's uh, high-res joystick interface to replace the high-res joystick adapter so You don't need the hardware and still get the full resolution. That should be doable as a driver too. I mean, Bill and I have talked about that. I mean, I'm just waiting to actually have time to actually turn my cocoa back on again. That won't be for another month, but yeah, no, it's still being actively updated. And if Bruce, if you want to say, like you know BASIC obviously very well from doing your game, and now that you're working with BASIC and you're kind of seeing through in the manual kind of stuff, how would you explain that it's better than the regular?
9: Well, um, so my first foray into programming was with Radio Shack BASIC, so procedural language follows line by line with line numbers and all that. When I kind of got out of that and I was at university and studied Pascal and various other languages, Structured languages, no line numbers. They would call little bits of reusable code here and there. Um, Way more flexible. Um, Not having and getting getting rid of the line numbers, um, reason code, all that kind of stuff is just basically. If you want to know the difference, look. You know, look up the difference between procedural and structural languages. Google that. Uh, That'll explain it to you pretty much. Um, It's. It looks far more like a modern language. It's not that different than JavaScript that you would write in a modern web browser. That's that's part of why I'm I'm thinking, yeah, Basic 9. That'll that'll get me back in the, the the thinking of of that kind of scripting. So uh, so yeah, and then Basic 9 um, semi compiles. Uh, so it's not entirely compiled like a like assembly language, but um, it's not entirely interpretive like the RS basics. So so it'll run faster. And you can access all the cool stuff OS 9 uh, can do with the different yep. windowing and all that. So I don't know, it sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's a great great way to uh, break into OS 9 development and you know, yeah. a smaller I know. One of my favorite
1: parts of it, uh, Like uh, to get into a specific example, would be the type structures, which you know, regular basic doesn't have whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and that's really powerful when you're dealing with disk files and, and just keeping track of what the heck you're doing just internally in memory, too. So, And I noticed your one little uh, demo uh, screen you put up on Facebook, you were actually using a type de- declaration to set up your structure for your monsters and stuff for your games. So.
9: Yeah, yeah, the very first thing I went to when I saw the type in there, that I just, like, okay, that's awesome. I'm going straight to it. I'll see if I can make it work. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay. Okay. In the live chat, Norlander is asking, "How much more difficult is basic O nine under Nitrous nine than regular OS nine? Is it more difficult? Is it you run exactly it the same, same way? It's exactly the same. Loads there's, there's, the same. There's, there's runs no the same,
1: except it runs faster."
0: Okay. Okay, so the I mean,
1: there is. I did optimize a little bit of basic O nine back in the day, and I think that's part of the current distribution. So I sped up some of the math routines and stuff, so it'll run a little bit faster mm-hmm. on certain integer math and some, you know, integer divide and integer multiply for 16-bit numbers and stuff than the original did because I'm using the 1609 instructions to do so. But as far as the, the as language itself, it's identical. identical. Okay. okay.
0: Cool. And Grant ladies, asking, what's a good book to learn, Basic09? Well, the Basic09
1: manual itself is actually the level 2 manual is quite good. The level 1 manual wasn't as good
4: <laughs> to okay. be honest.
1: Uh, and then there's the Basic 9 Tour Guide by... Um, not, uh, okay. Is it Dale, Dale
7: Puckett?
1: No, I think... Uh, uh, who did...
9: Well, I, yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking at it here now. Basic 9 Tour Guide. This is Dale Dale L. Puckett Microware. I've got it on my iPad here. Oh, is,
1: is it Dale? I thought it was Peter Dibble. Maybe I'm remembering that wrong. But, but if you got yeah. the book there, yeah. Well, this is yeah, one, and there's...
9: Yeah, yeah, I think that's the Basic Yeah, that's the basic O9 one.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. a black and are those, are those all available on the Color Computer Archive, or a handful of them anyways? Yeah. 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 So there you go. Look on the Color Computer Archive, which, by the way, is available on one of our sponsors. Amacoconut.com uh, for all your Color Computer Link needs. <laughs> you can get to the Color Computer Archive. Cool. Well, thanks for sharing. Do we have more to talk about, or can we take a quick break and um, move on to another segment? Does anybody else
1: on the call that's active uh, have any questions about BaseCon before we hit the next segment?
0: Okay. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to go on and look at a few things that are in the Facebook group this week. So we'll be right back after these messages.
5: And now, these messages.
6: Greetings, YouTubers. Atari Leaf here, and you're
9: listening to Coco Talk.
0: Stevie Stro here, and when you're done with Coco Talk, if you gotta have more cowbell, then head on over to my YouTube channel for your share of gameplay goodness. There you will find over 1,300 family friendly gameplay videos. Everything from the old school to the next gen, and over 200 color computer gameplay videos, as well as interviews and replays of Coco Talk. So if you need your share of gameplay goodness, then check out the original gamer Stevie Stro on YouTube at youtube.com slash OG well, there we go. So a little plug for gameplay goodness on YouTube. If you got to have more cowbell and you need some more games to watch, check out my YouTube channel. So what was going on this week in Facebook? Well, here we have Simon Jonason, the madman, as we all know and love. And he continues to work on these 3D rotating demos and continues to optimize them and just continues to throw more cowbell at the... Uh, at the graphics level of detail and the smoothness and things like that. So it's very cool looking. Um, what was this thing here called? The Tesseract, when you've got a cube within a cube and it's rotating 360 degrees. Um, so that's his latest posting that he's put in the <laughs> Facebook group. It looks very, very cool. Um, of course, we at the we, at the beginning of the show, we talked about how Nick Marrentis, um released to the public his Pac-Man version 1.1 update with... Um, Darker colors of blue on the maze and uh, some of the optimizations of the speed and the uh, intermissions running a little bit faster. Here is, um, now what's what's Bart's deal? He's in the Netherlands, right? So Bart, and he's basically, his claim to fame right now, he's, he's got the largest TRS-80 collection in, in Europe, I think, is what he's saying. And so he's always showing something that he's picking up and adding to his collection here. So it looks like he's got, is this a Model 3 that he picked up? Okay, is that a three Model, three? Four. Model 3 or 4? No. Uh, it looks like it's missing a couple keys down there towards the bottom. I would
1: bottom. guess a 4 because it's kind of white, isn't it? Because the yeah. three's gray, Battleship gray.
0: Right, right, right. So um, low serial number, or 4177 is the serial number there. So, yeah, that's a kind of a cool collection there. And that's kind of like what Ron's been doing, too. Ron Delveaux has been posting a lot of pictures of everything here, too. So, um Hey, we got a, uh, Steve Bjork had mentioned something too, uh, where he was asking some questions on uh, how to get up and running quickly with assembly development. Here's a picture of some CRTs running. Uh, oh, here's here we go. Here we have uh, a Commodore next to a Coco next to an Apple, and we talk about this whole community thing right here. Bill Smith posted this picture here. Um, Find a CRT. (laughs) I don't remember what the question was. What was the original question? From Hugo. Okay. Okay. Hugo was asking the the Sega Phaser light gun thing. So that discussion has come up now too, right? So um, if you... uh, It kind of
1: explained exactly why it doesn't work on current flat screen LCD TVs. Okay. That whole discussion. So that's what
0: brought it up. Yeah. Light guns were a cool thing, but because of the timing, they had to be off of the CRT. And this was discussed in the Cocoa Crew podcast, one of the early, early episodes. Basically, a CRT is faster. It's a faster refresh rate than than an LCD Mm -hmm. panelist because uh, the beams are right you're writing to the screen you're directly writing to the screen whereas a panel has to receive all of the visual data process that and then display it and there's a, a millisecond difference to where you just you're behind the eight ball on trying to capture some of that light gun data um, very cool stuff Here's some pictures of Ron Klein Running um, Pac-Man 1.1 On his uh, Cocoa Pi Ron says he's going to probably be available next week So I've been holding off showing the RetroPie uh, Color computer setup Because I really want Ron to help uh, talk about that So here's him showing off Nick Marantz's latest Pac-Man On um, MAME On uh, Raspberry Pi Very cool stuff there's me plugging Coco Talk. Uh, somebody asked this question. I think you asked the question too, Bruce, because this guy is saying, "Hey, I've upgraded to five twelve K. I've got some leftover RAM. Does anybody need it? Are, is old Coco three RAM usable on anything?" Yes.
1: The okay. uh, the two chip the later Coco twos use the two chip upgrade using forty four sixty four chips instead of eight forty one sixty fours. Okay. Those are the exact same chips that are in the one twenty eight K machines. You have enough RAM there to upgrade two Coco twos late models to sixty four K.
0: Okay. Nice. Okay. So there is a use for it. Uh, Nick Marentis is mentioning that Pop Star Pilot is still available, so he's got a link to his blog there. Very cool stuff. Great game. Uh, oh, Ron Delvo, maybe next week you can show us your dragon, Ron. So Ron's got pictures sure. of his Tano dragon that he's taken out of the box and showed up here. That guy's got more stuff than. Um, <laughs> Then uh, it should be legal for any one person to have Here's a picture of Bruce Moore showing off some of his Basic 09. It says right here Basic 09 is happening. And here's some of his code right here Read monsters. There's that huh? type
9: statement at the top. Man, makes it makes it so much easier to code stuff. You can read it. Yeah. Like, show me the strength of the monster. I can type monster.strength, and there it is, you
0: know? Wow. So, yeah, that's uh, so even having variable names that are not two letters. That in itself is yeah, exactly. <laughs> is better than uh m s for monster strength, right so uh, <laughs> or multiple the is is just awesome uh, Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's cool.
1: and just other variable types like you mentioned he's or you can see there he's got like a boolean as well as some integers as well as some strings,
4: yeah,
0: so yeah, you've got a lot of things you can play with, but two letters
4: all is you need,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, two letters is all you need. Who needs more than that? Who yeah, would ever just need like more than 60? It's yeah. like 640K.
1: Yeah. All yep. right. Yep.
0: right. Here's Ron DelVos posting about the Coco SDC code and, and posting us some fly. This was interesting, and I, I didn't even want to comment on this because I just figured I'm not going to be that guy. But this guy posted a Coco 2 for sale, and he wanted something like $124 starting price on and there was no even accessories. So for those of us who have been watching eBay for a while, you kind of know that Coco 2s are in about the $60 to $70 price range is what they sell for. So his starting price seemed a little high, but I figured I would reserve judgment and reserve comment. But that didn't stop um, Carlos Camacho <laughs> from saying, dude, what's up with I think that he price? has dropped the price since then because yeah, like he yeah. didn't really know what. Yeah, and I just remember the same thing. When I first started looking for Cocos on eBay, um, I didn't know what to expect. The first Coco 2 I bought, I I think I spent $100, but it was a Coco 2, 64K. It was modded with composite output. It came with a flat panel LCD television. It came with a cassette recorder and a bunch of other stuff, um, and that was $100. But there was another guy who was selling just a Coco 2, for ninety-six dollars, and it was only a sixteen K cocoa two, and and I compared that to everything else that was being sold there, and I even messaged the guy. I go, you know, you're, you I think your asking price is a little high since it's not even sixty-four K, but that guy was hell bent on wanting a hundred bucks for a sixteen K cocoa two. I doubt he ever sold it. Um, th- there there has to be kind of a, a fine line from, uh, you know, what people are willing to pay. The Cocoa threes really seem to go up in price. They seem to start yeah. off uh, offering price of a hundred to hundred and fifty, and they end up selling sometimes up into three hundreds, which is um, you know it's it's a little bit sought after because they're less common. It seems. Yeah, but one hundred and twenty-four dollar Cocoa two is a little bit high, I think.
1: Unless it came with some other stuff. Yeah, yeah, if it was
0: if it was a bundle, that'd be different. Now Hugo Defort's been posting some pictures of some demos he's working on, where he's coming up with plasma displays and working with color and dithering and things like that. So that's. Been kind of interesting to see some of his posts and some of his demos and stuff like that. Ed Snyder posted the fact that he's going to work on a 16-bit Super SuperDAC to not only get stereo output, but also at 44 kilohertz, which is basically CD quality. So when you're talking about 16-bit stereo at 44 kilohertz, but it has to be run on a Coco uh, 3 double speed, we're basically getting CD quality output from this Card he's designing, and he mentioned something like, "Well, if you're gonna if you're gonna overdo it, you know, why, you know, why not overdo it all the way?" <laughs> and then I basically said to him that I'm like, "Well, dude, you just need to put this on a Coco SDC and throw in a couple of sound chips while you're at it too, because then we wouldn't even need a, a multi pack. If you had the Coco SDC and 16-bit DAX and a, and a and a sound chip, boom, you're good, you're golden." Um, and I think it's all possible in the realm of technology, but that's a little over my head when, you know, some of that stuff has to take place. So, yeah, lots going, a lot of posting for Tandy Assembly. We're gonna, we're gonna after the next commercial break, we're gonna show the Tandy Assembly website and some of the changes and additions there. Herr Mark McDougal is teasing at something, which I believe he's teasing at. Um, he might be doing something with asteroids, but who else is supposed to be working Cl- on an click, asteroid? Click
1: on the comments because he's got an updated photo. Okay, that's he's lot. got
0: an updated mm. photo on the comments. Okay, so uh, he's posting his website. Okay, so here's an updated photo. Um, so it's looking like a port of asteroids is probably in the making on a Coco Three. Transcode. Transcode a transcode meaning the original source code is being done. Um, mm-hmm. Very cool. Uh, and since Simon's been doing a lot of this vector art, this is kind of cool that um, that that's happening. Um, uh, yeah a lot of cool stuff so we're gonna, we're gonna talk about Tandy um, assembly next. Here's somebody posting a keyboard with four function keys a cocoa one keyboard. yeah, and I think Michael Brandt was mentioning this one time too when somebody made, somebody made a comment like, well if you're talking about an f1 key, it's got to be a cocoa three and Michael Brandt chimed in and says, well, I've got a cocoa one with a f1, f2, f three, and f four so um, <laughs> yeah, very it's a nice looking keyboard.
1: Yeah, there there was multiple third-party keyboards. The Mark Data Products was basically the black one with just a standard Cocoa key layout, the standard 53 keys. I can't remember the name of the company off the top of my head, but they made two, and they made a premium one and a professional one. One of them had four function keys kind of scattered all over the place, and then they made Mm. one that kind of lined up the keys better to match the Cocoa 1-2 layout. Uh, Another one, Keytronics, made one with just a single programmable key They labeled PF. And then the HAL57, which is when you showed there, had the four on the bottom, which I think was better layout. And if I remember correctly, one of them actually clicks and locks in, so you could program it to be like a caps lock.
0: Okay. Interesting, interesting. Uh, another question here. My cat wants to come in. The Coco Cat's joining Coco Talk. Um, so somebody was asking a question here, Jim Port, about what font is closest to the original font that appeared on the color computer uh, cartridges, and it looks like somebody came in and said that the font now is called Micro Extended. there was one, somebody suggested one that's called Micro Now there's another one called Micro Extended. And here's kind of a screenshot of some of the fonts of the original versus some reproductions. And so I guess if you wanted to do a modern color computer um, cartridge and you wanted to try to capture that font style, That might be one right now. So that's been an interesting little um, discussion that's been going on there. And, And it's really neat that when somebody has a question like this, people chime in. Now granted, yes, the same level of communication and activity takes place on the mailing list but it's not as visual. So when you're talking about a font and you wanna see the font and and you can actually look at the picture real time and not have to open up a link and go to another website where that that lives, um, this is where I think the power of Facebook is very helpful when it comes to um, having the community kind of collaborate here. And this was a a really good example of that uh, just coming together. Uh, Really cool, Carlos Camacho showing some other computer system here, the NEC 6001, which also uses the same Motorola VDG chip that Decoco does and, and what they're doing with it. Pretty cool stuff. So yeah, a little peek into the Facebook group and so if you're not already a member of that and you don't, you're not one of these people that has to wear a tinfoil hat and you're worried about you know um, all that kind of privacy stuff and you're willing to join social media, I would definitely suggest you might want to check out the TRS-80 color computer group on Facebook. Lots of good stuff going on there. Anybody else got anything they want to chime in about and what's been going on in Facebook this week?
1: can't think of anything off the top of my head uh,
7: nope. lots of good stuff
0: mm-hmm. always good stuff alright we're going to take a quick commercial break and then we'll come back and we're going to see what's the latest and greatest thing going on with Tandy Assembly and now word from our
6: hi this is Randy Kindig of the Floppy Days Podcast I just love me some cocoa and nobody covers it better than Steve Strobridge you're listening to Cocoa Talk we're traveling through a dimension both of sound and ideas. We're at a place where the mind can comprehend and devise a solar radio, a wireless transmitter, measure time and light. 65 electronic projects brought to reality with this science fair kit. Astonishing, perhaps, but you can find it for Christmas for 1795 in a place that's known as Radio Shack. Radio,
0: stereos, recorders, everything in sound. Hey, what's going on everybody? It's me, it's original gamer Stevie Stroh. You know, gameplay goodness. To get your very own gameplay goodness, gameplay goodness DVDs gameplay featuring goodness color computer games played by gameplay the original goodness. gamer Stevie Stroh, visit 8bit256.com and grab yourself a Cocoa Gaming DVD today. That's 8bit256.com for all of your gameplay goodness needs.
5: Fletcher, I don't need that report tomorrow. Great, J.T. I need it tonight. But J.T.
6: Fletcher saved $300 on her office away from the office. Radio Shack's revolutionary Model 100 computer. It's a word processor, phone directory, and dialer. It even communicates with the office computer.
5: Fletcher, how's that report? Fletcher.
6: Radio Shack's Model 100 Save $300 and put it to work.
5: You'll go far, Fletcher. (laughs) You'll go far from Radio Shack, the TRS-80 Model 3. And at $200 off, it's a great value. Select from Radio Shack's huge program library to aid your children's education, plan your personal and household budgets, or to entertain with fast-action games. You can even learn to write programs. The TRS-80 Model 3, on sale for $7.99, only at Radio Shack and Radio Shack Computer Centers. The Computer Experts.
6: Between 1977 and 1994, Tandy and Radio Shack produced a wide array of prolific personal and business computers. Chances are you've used one. And now there's a new event designed to celebrate all of these computers in one place. Introducing Tandy Assembly. Come see your favorite computers, or maybe some that you missed. October 7th and 8th. Ohio's first capital city, Chillicothe. See presentations by TRS-80 creator, Don French. Creator of Dog Star Adventure, Lance Miklas. And Scott Adams of Adventure International. For details, visit our webpage at www.dandyassembly.com. Some assembly is required.
0: That was the multi-talented Myros production right there. That Mike Rowan, that man can make some stuff, can he? Commercials, <laughs> videos, you name it, he can do it. Um, great segue, great lead into the Tandy Assembly website right now. And here's one of the newest developments. Again, talking about um, being in the retro hobby but using modern technology. How about the convenience of being able to pre register and prepay online using PayPal and not having to wait in line to be logged in? On a color computer three, <laughs> like we have at Cocoa Fest. so um, that's convenient. You know, some of the modern conveniences are not a sin. You know, <laughs> so um, here we go. But so in, defa-
1: in defense of the CocoFest one, they were having a problem with the Dynacalc. Something went wrong with the database. I mean, it normally works smooth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. In> de- <laughs> <laughs> to the updates. Yeah, 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 we well, don't sure know what happened
1: there, but they've used that program for 20 years and Well, you know, every, every th-
0: th- like the, you know every like that. you know, every time you plug in the cocoa, it's got to download all the latest updates off the internet, so that does take some time. otherwise yeah. it blue screens. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is convenient to be able to um, pay online and register. So here's the latest look at the Tandy Assembly website. So that's a new feature right now, right? So they're still looking if somebody wants to be a speaker. If you would like to give a presentation at Tandy Assembly, they're still calling for that. You can still get your early bird registration discount right now uh, through August 31st if you wanted to be an exhibitor. So that is kind of cool. Uh, Lots of Tandy artwork here. You can see the different models here. I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of these on display when, when we get there in October. Here's the venue, right? So this is the Christopher Conference Center in Chillicothe, Ohio what's going to be happening here exhibits speakers auctions and socializing that's some of the stuff that's going on let's see what the latest uh, lineup of exhibitors are if anybody new is here so we've got myself and Mike Rowan and Richard Lorbieski Peter Satinsky Cloud9 is going to be here Richard Bartlett, Malcolm Ramey, uh, Randy Kindig, Retro Innovations, our friend Jim Brain, Ian Maverick. uh, That was a great interview I listened to with him and um, uh, Randy Kindig of Floppy Days. Uh, Ian Maverick is kind of like the Australian version of our Ed Snyder. He's got uh, a hardware contraption for just about everything. Brendan Donahue's Coco VGA project. Alan Hightower is going to be showing off five different models of the Tandy 1000 through 5000 series. John Linville is here with his retro tinkering, hopefully, some more maybe um, Game Master sound cartridge stuff to show off. Uh, Evan Wright with his text adventure development kit. Scott Adams from Adventure International. Mike brant my carpool partner will be there and rick adams showing off bomb threat the game so that's our current exhibitor lineup looking good and what about our speaker lineup right now oh see rick adams has been promoted he's moved up the food chain he's <laughs> now a key note speaker not just a speaker but a key note speaker no pressure rick <laughs> so, along with Scott Adams, Don French, Lance Nicholas, um, some of our keynote mm. speakers. Uh, okay, John Linville, keeping Coco in the game. So, that'd be interesting to hear what else he's got going on with that. Uh, Peter Satinsky, a history of the Model 2 line. Uh, some schmuck here. Uh, Brendan Donaghy, uh, talking about e- updating extended color basics to support 64 column text. And then Randy Kindig, of the Floppy Days podcast. Today's portable computers, th- Tandy's portable computers through the years. Very, very cool. Um, with sponsors from The Right Stuff, Ian Maverick, John Benson. Hey, Steve. Yeah. Is that is that you, Rick?
5: Yeah. Yeah, go um, ahead. When I saw that I had been uh, promoted to a keynote speaker, I thought, Oh, rats, That's me not, that means I'm going to be in the, the back row of the plane <laughs> again, because the last, the last and only two times I've been a keynote speaker, separated by 30 years, right. I was, both times by coincidence I was in the back row of the plane, but then I thought, oh wait, I can't be in the back row of the plane, I'm driving.
0: <laughs> so hopefully you'll be at least in the front seat of the car, right? So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and by the way, a very nice shirt you're wearing there, Rick. Rick's wearing the official Coco Talk T-shirt. Very cool, looking good there. Yep. Um, yeah. So Tandy Assembly is coming along. I'm really excited about um, what's going to be happening at this event, and you know when we talked about earlier when we talked about um, the Coleco. Uh, event, which was what not to do, to not only not include the community, but to almost kind of like shun and, and punish the community, that's not a good recipe for success when it comes to having an event and having a, a good turnout to that event where Tandy Assembly is is combining you know, the, the TRS-80, Z-80 line of people and the, the PC compatible Tandy 1000 line of people, obviously the coconuts, um, a lot of different Tandy systems have, have existed. For 20 years, from the 70s through the 90s. It's a lot a lot of lineage there. Uh, and they're doing a good job with a lot of different podcasts promoting it, too, between the uh, Floppy Days podcast, the TRS-80 Trash Talkers, and um, the Cocoa Crew podcast, and now us as well talking about it. So we're definitely trying to expose people, letting people know about this event and getting some people in there. Grant Leedy in the live chat says... Um, yeah, I love that there's a pre-registration. He's asking, how about credit cards for the auctions? That's a great question. I'd pose that question, too, because not everybody carries a lot of cash. And uh, just like, you know, the minute they made fast food and uh, snack machines support debit cards, you know, I mean, look look, look how those industries just took off, you know. So uh, there's look at Bruce showing off the Forest of Doom, the the printed manual of Forest of Doom. That looks really good there, uh, Bruce. Thank you.
9: Thank you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, cool stuff. And so, yeah, if, if you could use your debit card or credit card in the auction, that would be nice, too, because then you might want to spend a little bit more money, especially if you've got a credit card and you're thinking, well, you know, I might not have $400, but I can make easy payments on this. <laughs> <laughs> Seven easy payments to pay off this uh, <laughs> whatever. So uh, hopefully they're thinking about that. So, yeah. Uh, Tandy Assembly, our next big event uh, this year. And it's uh, a little over a month away. We're almost at the end of August, and then we got September, and it's the first weekend in October. So it's literally right around the corner. Uh, uh, good stuff. Good stuff. We know Rick's going to be there. Uh, Bruce, were you going to be at Tandy Assembly? Uh, no, unfortunately not. Okay. And Mark, do you, re- do you remember? I don't remember if you said if you were going to make it or not
4: um i was hoping to but uh not so far
0: okay and we know curtis can't his work schedule and nick's not gonna be able to make it although nick you could probably jump in the suitcase with ian maverick or something he's he's in australia (laughs) he's got to be a way to piggyback off of that uh, transportation there (laughs) and australia's
1: got to be small you guys must be like neighbors or something right?
2: (laughs) it's uphill from down there on the bottom (laughs) of the planet yeah <laughs> it's, a heck, it's a heck of a climb <laughs> it's a
4: heck of a climb yeah. maybe you should ask the Ozfest people for assistance yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, the what the Ozfest? yeah what do you mean uh to, to go to the us
0: yeah take up a collection <laughs> well,
2: back in 1999 and uh yeah, 2000 did that, that's exactly what happened yeah i went to the uh did the pen fests in the us um yeah same way
0: We got to crowdsource that uh, that transportation. So (laughs) that was was
1: pretty PayPal. We had to do that all by hand.
0: Oh yeah. Cool stuff. Is that Steve? Yeah. Yeah, Rick.
5: Um, So we're hoping to have uh, bomb threat cartridges at uh, at the show. Yeah. So that'd be nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We shall try. Okay. That would be exciting. So is bomb threat pretty much done? Done then at this point? Well, it was, but I got a
5: bright idea last night. Uh, There was (laughs) feature creep. You know how that is. Uh Uh, Well, no, there's a feature I took out that I couldn't figure out how to put back in, and last night I had a a brainstorm of, oh, I could, you know, I I think I know how to do it. So this this weekend's project will be to try to put that uh, uh, feature back in.
4: Okay. Okay. Just don't miss the shipping deadline. Right. So
0: have you, right. de- and, and not and, and not the financial part, but the logistical part of getting these things produced and made, have you already had those conversations, and do you feel like you do have enough time to for them to produce the ROMs and the cartridges and the labeling and stuff for you? I believe so. Okay. So that's impressive. Believe- mm-hmm. And you're going to have David so. try
1: it and break it to make sure it's debugged? <laughs>
0: <laughs> if he wants to. Yeah. Well, that'll be exciting because, um, uh, you know, another new cartridge game and the first game from Rick Adams in, gosh, 30 years, right?
5: Right. Oh, I have a question. Yeah. Um, for the collectors out there, uh, the question that I was asked was, "What I, did I want to do shrink wrap on it or not? You know, they have those, uh, you know, the die-cut uh, packages, mm-hmm. and they have the uh, those red... Uh, Injection molded uh, cartridge cases. Uh, so they're putting that all together with a little, uh, like a little 3x5 card instruction manual sort of a thing. And they were asking, you know, should we shrink wrap it or not? And I didn't really, you know, uh, I think we can get by without shrink wrapping it. I just wondered from a collector's uh, standpoint what people think.
4: You should do some of both. Do a few because there probably will be people wanting to shrink wrap. Is shrink wrap retro though? were yeah, the they ones were <laughs> yeah
0: yeah. so so the, so yeah that that becomes a collector question do you want to have it and have it on a shelf and never play it and if that is the case then yeah shrink wrapping makes sense but um, if you actually want two, to play it, play it right 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 and so do you want to get it autographed and if you're going to be there and you're going to autographing and now you can autograph on top of the shrink wrap but would somebody like it autographed you know, on the actual box or on the cartridge itself. So, um, you know, I, I don't know what the number of units are you're going to have made, but maybe have, you know, half and half. So, so somebody, but if somebody wants to shrink wrap, they'll take it. If somebody doesn't care, they won't. And if somebody says, well, uh, yeah, I'm all out of unshrink wrapped ones, but I don't want to shrink wrapped then this tear the damn plastic off, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh. And so I was lucky that with, with, with the ones I got from John Linville last year, he sent me one cartridge that wasn't even in the box because I wanted to review Farfall for YouTube and to promote Cocoa Fest. So I got a unboxed copy of Farfall uh, on a cartridge, and then I also asked him if he could sign all the boxes before he shrink wrapped them. So on mine, they're signed and then wrapped. And so I've got three of John's games sitting on a shelf that are autographed and shrink wrapped. And, and I just it was timing was lucky for me to do it that way. And it just so happens all those games I can play without opening the package. Um, and same thing with I bought Flood It from Evan Wright and I asked him to autograph the 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 box and he autographed on top of the shrink wrap he actually emailed me the uh, image where I could play it in an emulator. So I, I, I would like to have an autograph, collectible, and a playable one for myself. But I'm probably, you know, one percent of 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 that, you know.
1: I mean, myself personally, I'm not. I'm not a collector per se. I would collect it to play it. So in my case, it doesn't matter if it has shrink wrap because I'd be tearing that right off as soon as I got it anyway. But I'm not a collector. Collector.
5: Right. So we might do a few. I'm not sure. Oh, we might not do any at all. Um,
1: they're kind of. It, is it shouldn't be much of an extra cost. I'm presuming it'd be pretty cheap.
5: Not, it's just a pain. That's all. Ah. Okay.
1: So I remember we used, to have the, we used to have the shrink wrappers at work, and it was just basically this heated little wires with sheets of plastic. You just placed the object, hit it, and it would just automatically shrink once it had sealed. And it didn't. Mm-hmm. You just heated it up, and it was pretty quick. wasn't Wasn't too much pain to actually do if you have the equipment.
0: I think they're going to do on the
5: order of I think we're going to do order of 30 cartridges.
0: Okay. So maybe I you think mean, that's what they were I would to. I would say probably just just to keep it simple, right? Maybe not do more than 10 that are shrink-wrapped. And and yeah. Yeah. and keep those off to the side and if somebody wants a sealed copy, you have that and for anybody else that, that wants right. to play it and get it autographed cuz I'm I would imagine I know for me I would like an autographed copy. I'll probably buy one of each cuz I'm I'm that guy. Um But yeah, I'd probably like an autograph copy. I want an autograph on the box, an autograph on the cartridge, (laughs) and then a seal.
8: uh, Hey, listen, listen. how about uh, putting a bunch of cartridges in the landfill for a while?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Here's an idea Um, shrink wrap the box without the cartridge in it. That way you sell it separate. If they want to keep the shrink wrap copy uh, for their collection on display, they've got the shrink wrap version, but they've still got the cartridge outside to play. Oh, brother.
4: <laughs> we'll be seeing those for years on eBay then. <laughs> yeah, but then
1: it's not quite retro enough, Nick, because then it doesn't weigh the same because there's no cartridge in it.
2: <laughs> St- Filler. Stick Filler. a lead sinker inside it. <laughs> <laughs> Any of you see the
1: Atari
8: uh, movie?
2: Yes. Yeah. So oh, okay. I didn't see it, but
5: somebody was mentioning that to me. Yeah. yeah. Atari Game Over, I believe was the name.
0: Right, 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 right. Right. Cool stuff. Yeah, I guess, you know, that's that's a tough call and what you're doing is you're introducing more work for the people who are producing it and then possibly more expense to yourself. So I would say probably you want to minimize those for everybody's sake. Yeah. Like keep keep everybody's so life. Probably somewhere. yeah, five five or ten maybe. Yeah. So we'll we'll see.
4: I would say there would be people who be interested. I mean, Steve, obviously, but there
0: would probably be some other people too. Right. Cool stuff, cool stuff. All right, so for those of you who are watching us live right now, and we've had had a decent um, viewership all day. We've been up to uh, a dozen and a half, two dozen live viewers. We're at a dozen right now. Um, Hopefully everybody's aware that Cocoa Talk is now also available in podcast format so you can listen to us online. And I uh, put, put together a website for that. It's cocotalk.live. Uh, as of today, I have 10 episodes already converted to audio, and I've got three of our interviews, um, one of them being Rick Adams, another one is Curtis Boyle, and then we also have the Dale Lear interview up there. And I have, uh, We've got a lot of interviews, and I think one of the next ones I want to put up there is the one with the image producers because there's a lot of great stuff covered there. And most of that translates very well to audio format because even though we were showing some things off, none of the conversations had to do with what was actually on screen for the most part. So I think that'll be a good good listen. And um, for me, it was fun listening to the Rick interview. Rick was our first scheduled interview. Like Curtis and I, Curtis was my first interview. It was very informal. Rick, we scheduled and we planned and we had a list of questions and we promoted it and it was live and everything else. And so Rick was our first big celebrity interview. Uh, and you know, even though technically I was there, I was distracted by playing the game and, and watching the live chat. So to actually sit down and listen to that interview again was kind of nice you know um so i, I think it's kind of cool that these things get a whole second life in the audio aftermarket and um i think the response has been pretty good that there are a lot of people saying i really appreciate being able to listen to this because it's easier for my workflow of how i drive and commute and things like that so um i, I think it's uh, the uh, podcast has turned out to be pretty good we got close to 400 downloads already which is pretty good if that's any indication so um cool cool stuff Cocoa Talk will be um, consumable in many ways. I'm actually looking into a few other um, ways to do it as well, which we'll, we'll share later on. Uh, cool stuff. Anything else we want to talk about? Uh, we beat this episode to death.
1: I can't think of anything else on my my behalf.
0: Yeah. Um, um, uh, Bruce is doing his stuff there, his voiceover. Hey, uh, Bruce, actually, uh, I don't know. If Bruce, can you hear us?
9: Yes, I can.
0: Okay, is that the video you're showing there of um, of you doing the voiceover for Forest of Doom? Yeah,
9: yeah.
0: Do we want to play that?
9: There. I'm. Uh, let me see if I can un. If I can get the audio to come through. Okay.
0: Wow, you've got a big giant foam block around that microphone there too. You look extremely professional, sir.
4: All the good tricks. Yeah. Yep,
0: a spit guard. <laughs> the only thing missing is the tinfoil hat at this point. <laughs> Are you still there? And uh, now I, I can't you're hear. You're there, muted. My,
9: there's my audio, Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that was just my little voiceover setup. I didn't actually use a spit guard. I just kept the microphone below, and then uh, yeah, that foam box is my homemade uh, muffler, basically for
0: any reflections from the back. Okay, uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Fun stuff. Fun stuff, but we didn't hear it though.
9: Yeah, uh, yeah, it was too quiet. Um, yeah, I've got another um, probably um, yeah maybe uh, maybe two weeks from now I'll have another bit. That's very podcast-friendly that I'll, I'll have
0: available for, uh, okay. for you. That works. Cool. That works. Oops. Yeah. Very, <laughs> very cool. All right. Well, maybe we're going to wrap up episode 22 of Coco Talk Live. And for those of us who are still left on the call, I want to thank Rick Adams for stopping in and Mark Overholzer, Ron Delvaux for sharing some of his cool collections and his little demonstration of that digitizer. Nick yeah. Morentes, uh, also for sharing uh, Pac Man 1.1, free to the public release, there. Very cool. Curtis Boyle, host of the Color Computer Games List website, and Bruce Moore, author of Forest of Doom and many other fun games available from t Software and a Cocoa retailer near you. And in the live chat, the first person we had in the live chat today was Steve Powell, who was actually 40 minutes early to the show. Richard Cavell was in the live chat today. Sixie, who is Karen, was in the live chat. Home Computer Museum was in here. John Linville, Cocoa Crew Podcast, was joining us today. Norlander was here. Uh, Solstice was here. Ficecap was here. Luis Fernandez was in the chat. Um, Grant Leedy in the chat. Grant had to work today, could not join us. So we'll have Grant's hopefully next week newbie question of the week. Next week, uh, am I missing anybody else in the live chat that I did not already mention? Somebody named Crumbo Crumbopolis Kr- Michael uh, was commenting on uh, my Need More Cowbell video. Norlander was commenting as well. Um, have I missed anybody else? No, I think so. I think we've covered everybody in the live chat and everybody on the call. Um, with us earlier was David Ladd with his tech segment of what David has discovered is broken this week. So... <laughs> uh, Another great Cocoa Talk. And so what I also want to do is I want to close with some Cocoa music since uh, it'll be hopefully a fun treat for those watching and for those listening later, trying to include a few more audio segments in the show to make the show a little bit more podcast-friendly as well. So uh, everybody want to say goodbye? Anything you want to say before we switch to our closing music track? Nothing goodbye.
1: extra to say, but... All right,
0: very cool. Thank you all for being here. Don't forget to check us out on the web at CocoTalk.live. And to play us out, we're going to hear some Coco music now, folks. Thanks for listening to another episode of Coco Talk. We certainly hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, why not check us out on the web at CocoTalk.live, where you can watch video replays of all of our live episodes, as well as send us feedback and suggestions for the show. We'd certainly love to hear from you. Until next week, I'm the original gamer, Stevie Stroh. Keep on cocoing, coco forever. Have a coco day, and bye-bye, everybody.